And I'm telling you, the devil is not going to have this nation. And you're, the American people are not going to spend their lives being on 90 different medications, sick and afflicted. It's time for revival. It's time for the fire of God to set this generation free. Lord, we give you our worship. Lord, we give you our praise. You are always worthy. Do this with me using your own words, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place. We desire your presence. We desire your manifestations, even if they make us uncomfortable. We desire you, Holy Spirit, no matter what you want to bring tonight. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Amen. And the church shouts, amen and amen. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Come on up, brother. Praise Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Anybody excited to be in the house of God tonight? Who's ready for a miracle? Who's ready for a touch from heaven? Who's ready for an encounter? Who's ready for a turnaround? Who's ready for a breakthrough? Hallelujah. You know, the Bible talks about two things that happen whenever we gather in God's presence. Amen. The Bible says, number one, that the expectation of the righteous shall not be what? cut off. Every time you come expecting something from God, you are set to encounter the Lord. Number two, the Bible says that every time believers gather just like we've gathered, the presence of God is there and Jesus Christ himself is there. Hallelujah. Anytime Jesus is in a building, sickness has to go. Disease has to go. Pain has to leave. Hope is restored. Hallelujah. Tonight, your hope is going to be restored. Your body is going to be healed. Hallelujah. Your health is going to be restored. Peace in your heart is going to be restored in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You know, over the course of um, the last couple of weeks, we've seen tremendous miracles. What God has done. Even the last couple of days in this house, we've seen amazing miracles. Stuff that you hear about in Africa, in Asia, and stuff like that. We've seen it in the house. Hallelujah. And today won't be any different. I said today won't be any different. I said today won't be any different. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're ready for an encounter with Jesus, come and lift up your hands. Oh yeah, say that's me. You know, two people are going to be blessed tonight. I'm the first one. I don't know who's going to be the second one. That's right. Hallelujah. I want to I show you a couple of testimonies of what God has done over the last couple of days in this house. Amen. I'm not showing you a testimony of what happened um, maybe in Timbuktu or in Congo. I'm showing you a testimony of what God has done right here in the last couple of days. Amen. Come on, let's roll it. I live here in Northport, and uh, it's been about 13, 14 years. I've had many multiple back surgeries, and I couldn't stand up straight. I literally, I was walking like this, as I did last night when I got here. And uh, I woke up this morning at 5.22. Me, me. And got up, made coffee, and I, I, I always told my, my wife, if I woke up and I didn't feel pain, I was dead. 
and uh, it, 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 it was awesome. It, it, it actually feels weird not to be in pain. And, and I mean, if you, you try to deny it, don't deny it. Just keep the faith, stay with God, and, and he is, he's great. Because I, I, thought, I thought maybe I was being punished for my past, something I did, and don't, don't think it. Put your faith in God and keep your feet moving forward. Thank you. You said he was on, you were on a roof today? Come up, come up quickly. You look like you can get up here quick. No, go, go the other way or you have to hop the chair. Let me hear the rest of the story. <laughs> Folks, y'all know this is the real deal. This man would bring my mail, and I love him. He's the greatest guy in the world. I avoided him for a long time because we're going to get real close if we knew each other. We're here right now. I didn't give up on him. He did. He annoyed me. He was like a stalker <laughs> with the mail. His wife's right there. She knows. I'm not lying. You can't fake this. You can't make this up. Bad back. Bad, bad, back. bad back. Turn around. Bad back. Bad back. He's all right. I'm going to say this. I needed help. You don't know this. And it's okay because God's taking care of it. My wife and I lost our whole home. But I'm like, I don't like my home. It's stuff. I have me. I have my wife. I have my mailman. But I'm going to say this. This man was up on my roof today with me, and I thought I was crazy being up there because I almost fell off the side. He was doing more work than I was. And I looked at him, and he doesn't know this, but I said, Lord Jesus, look at him. Look at him. He's different. Not only is he different, but God healed him here last night. And this is the real God healing a real man. You can't deny that. And uh, it's been... <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know one thing that encourages me? That that same Jesus is here tonight. That same Jesus that healed that man's back is here tonight. And that same Jesus is not bipolar. Jesus doesn't change overnight. Amen. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. So expect to receive your miracle tonight. Expect to receive a touch from heaven tonight. Expect your life to be turned around and changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Who's ready? That's right. The Bible in the book of Mark chapter number 5 talks about a lady, a woman who had the issue of blood, who was troubled for 12 years. Hallelujah. 12 years being troubled with the issue of blood. But at the, touch of at the touch of Jesus, her life was totally turned around. Her life was, imagine how long that must have lasted. But one touch from the master, hallelujah. One touch from the master turned her life around. It doesn't matter how long you've been suffering. You know, if this room, I like saying if this room was dark and we entered here and the room was dark, it doesn't matter how long that darkness stayed. It doesn't matter how long the room was dark for. At the, at the point where you switch the lights on, light comes and the darkness flees, amen? And whatever darkness that's in your life is going to flee tonight, amen? And you're going to be healed and touched by heaven. Who's ready for a touch from God? That's right. Who's ready for a touch from heaven? Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap our hands as we welcome the man of God. Well, thanks. Give Jesus a great big hand clap one more time. Hallelujah. Well, say it right out loud. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Let me have my friend with the nice hair and the yellow shirt come up with me. Come real quick. Yes, you. Give him a big hand clap as he joins me. While he's making his way to the stage, um, we've been having unusual, an unusual uh, proliferation of miracles in the meetings. As you've been seeing, there's been a new testimony every night, and those are major testimonies. That guy didn't have a sore back. That guy was bent, you know, multiple back surgeries. So then Preacher Jay prayed a mass prayer, same as you would do in an African crusade. And um, I think that's one thing that we miss is people will take a missions trip and they'll lay hands on everything that moves. And then they come back and they go into American mode for the next 51 weeks and do American-like services. But if you, if you push for the move of God's spirit and contend for it, you know, I grew up in church. Some of you would have grown up in a church like this. Lord, we, we desire you to move, have your way. That's not how it works. The Bible says, covet earnestly the best gifts. There's, a, there's a, a pressing in in your spirit to see these things, and I'm so happy to hear these testimonies. When I hear testimonies, I feel like I got paid. That, that, that's the thing. That's the lifeblood of the ministry. So this testimony came in last night when the mass prayer was given, no laying on of hands. We had 58 people come forward that testified they'd all been healed, and this is one of the best ones. So because people think people make this stuff up, tell everybody your name, where you're from, and then what was wrong and what God did for you last night. I'll stay right you shocked me. This is a surprise. <laughs> you know, when you give your testimony, it's the easiest thing because it, it's your testimony. You can't mess it up. <laughs> well, here we go. Uh, <laughs> I'm Cody Abbott. I'm from the area. So um, my son's back there in the sound booth. He told me years ago he was touched by the Holy Spirit and slain, and I didn't believe in that stuff. But that's happened to me in this church. Now I know it's a fact. It, it's real. I felt it. I, 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 I didn't want the feeling to wear off. Well, I've had a problem with my eye, had a problem with my eye. Um, four surgeries, trying to heal a detached retina. Went and saw a doctor that was recommended by a friend because my doctor gave up on it. And he said he couldn't do anything. Went to another doctor got my fifth surgery, um, still couldn't see out of it. Uh, last night, I'm getting there, <laughs> I'm getting there. Um, my wife was wearing a black shirt that had holes in the sleeve, they were supposed to be there. <laughs> And I looked at her and said, I can see all those holes, and um, I can see the plaids on his jacket. <laughs> so, um, I didn't mean to doubt God, because I don't doubt him. I 
learned not to. But I closed my right eye while you were still talking and praying, and I started walking through the rows because I could <laughs> of the chairs. So that's what happened to me last night. Um, Before you go, so you said detached retina for how long? How long had you had problems with that? I was just at work. I was at work with uh, my, my boys work with me, um, run the job sites and stuff, and Tanner was in the house, and I was bent over working on something, and it, it, I noticed it right away. It just went dark on that side. And I looked up, Tanner said something to me. I looked up at him and went, whoa, I got to go. And I just covered my eye and left. It's kind of like that, wasn't it? And that's when it started. It just detached, but it just went pitch black instantly. Um, and when the eye doctor looked at it, they said that it, it loosened and the flap of the retina fell over and blinded me. So what they do is they make an incision in your eyeball and they go in and they fix, I, I had scar tissue and this, up until last night, when I'd blink, I could feel that, that thick scar tissue. I don't feel it at all. I, <laughs> here, here, here's my doubt, though. After I got a great dose of that, I went back with Hope back here. I'd, cool studio you got back there, by the way, too. So, um, and... You prayed for me again and gave me a, a double dose. And I just, I feel fantastic. And by the way, I slept amazing last night. I would just, I woke up with more energy than I've had in a long, long time. And uh, praise God, but thank you for that prayer too. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm amazed. <laughs> thank you so much. I'll never forget you as long as I live. Same. <laughs> I feel like I could be friends with that guy. <laughs> nice guy. He's one of those Florida guys that's super nice but could also knock your head clean off your shoulders <laughs> if you said one wrong thing. There's a lot of guys like that down here. Give the Lord another great hand clap. You can be comfortably seated. Um, I want you, if you would, uh, wherever Ben is, cue up, up the Newark, New Jersey um, highlight reel. Take your Bible and turn to Psalm 71, 18. While you're turning there, say this. Our God is a miracle-working God. Sorry, I was late. I'll be on time the rest of the services. We have two, two vehicles that we rented as our ministry. Both drivers thought the other one picked me up. So, so I Ubered here. from Siesta Key. <laughs> Might have been cheaper to take a helicopter. I don't want to say I spent a long time in the car, but my driver's coming over for Thanksgiving to meet my parents. <laughs> Psalm 71. Verse 16. How many of you have been blessed this week? You've been a blessing to me. It's been great, great minister in the word of God to you. Psalm 71, 16. I will praise your mighty deeds, O sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you alone are just and good. O God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood, and I will constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. 
Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to everyone who comes after me. Now that I, Psalm 71, 18. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. I uh, was watching the, the voter breakdown last night in 18 to 29, not just on voting, but on anything to do with God is pretty, pretty godless. And so it's interesting that David must have noticed that even in his time, if you follow it, things run in three generation cycles. In the book of Judges, it says there was Moses who knew God, then a generation who came up under Moses who knew uh, the, the acts of God through Moses. But notice the difference. Moses could produce them, and then the second generation saw them. And then a third generation, the Bible says in Judges chapter 2, then a third generation arose that did not know the Lord nor remember his mighty works. Miracles are part of the Bible. Turn, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Anybody have a King James Bible I can use? I figured I was deep enough south, somebody would have one. Let me see it real quick. Oh, you have a Dake Bible. Dake, right? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 12. Let me see if my, I'm strong enough to hold it up with one arm. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know, even verse 1, so tough to get by. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. God can't bless stupidity. He can only bless intelligence in his word. That's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved. Well, if God wants to use me that way, he can use me. That does, that's not how it works. You're not going to meet anybody that's used in healing or miracles or the word of knowledge or any of those things that said, well... I was just playing Madden 2007, and then one day the Lord just dropped that gift on me, and I don't even really care for it. No. They contended earnestly for those gifts. There's something that has to rise up in you as a Christian where you realize that the flesh doesn't profit anything. You can try talking to people all day long about Jesus in the flesh, and it won't go anywhere. You'll go from a debate on pro-life, pro-choice, to a debate on Democrat, Republican, to a debate on creation and evolution. But then when the Lord does it, now this is kind of an out there story. And after sharing miracle testimonies, you tell a story like this. If you're visiting tonight, you, you think I'm like a, a nut, but I promise you I'm not. But there's a guy that comes to our church, if you ever see him, his name is Chuck. Chuck's a Marine. Chuck was an undercover cop in uh, Philadelphia that helped take down the main crime family there. He Donnie Brascoed that particular family. And is, he's a very capable, very good guy. But obviously, he was away from the Lord. He, in doing all that DEA work and drug work, he ended up getting hooked on drugs and going to prison for a long time, got dismissed, lost everything. So he, he, he comes out of that, and he's coming out of addiction, clean and everything, and he goes, uh, he, he's cutting hair. So I meet him getting my hair cut from my other barber, and I go in to see my other barber to get a haircut, but he's not working there anymore. He didn't tell me he wasn't working there anymore, but... Uh, the owner of the salon, or the owner of the barbershop was a lady, and when she went, they didn't get along, and when the lady went to leave uh, to go home for the day, he handed her a broom, and she said, what's this for? He said, I thought you might like a ride, and uh, they, ter they terminated his job, so probably could have left that part out of the story, but 
If you're looking to get fired, uh, that's a good way to get fired. So I go in there, and he says, uh, oh, no, he's not, your, he's not here anymore, but would you, would, you, would you mind if I cut your hair instead? I said, yeah, no problem. So I sit down, and he starts crying. And I said, uh, he said, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, and he's trying to look away so I don't see him crying, but when you're in a room full of mirrors, that's difficult to do. <laughs> so he starts crying, this big, huge muscles. And he, he said, you're going to think I'm nuts. But he said, last night I dreamed that you came to me in my dream and took, now, whatever the next sentence was, next, was gonna determine whether I did think he was nuts or not. <laughs> but he said, you, you came to me in my dream and you started telling me about Jesus. And he said, and then I woke up this morning crying and then now you're here at my salon. Well, I was tired, I'd been out preaching two straight weeks. So I thought, well, rather than me tell him more about Jesus, I'll just let dream me do all the work. So I said, uh, I said, what did I tell you about Jesus? So then he said it all, and then I could just relax and listen to the message that little dream me preached. So he's telling you, you're telling me that Jesus loves me, and even though I've sinned, you know, it was all doctrinally correct, so I was glad I didn't have to go into the dream world and rebuke dream me for spreading heresy. Everything you said was right on, that I, I need to get right with God. So you know, you know it wasn't a demonic thing, because he was dealing with him about sin and getting right. Anything to do with the demonic realm will never deal with repentance of sin. It's always, you're great, you know, the God, God made only one of you, you're special, which is all true, but they never get into the fact that actually you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, and you need to come into covenant with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you have to do that before it's eternally too late. People love, you know, Jesus died for all our sins, past, present, and future. That's true. But there's still only one kind of sin that Jesus forgives, repented of sin. So that's what uh, Dream Me was telling him. And he's crying. And then I prayed with him. So he said, I'll be in church. He comes to church. And then uh, his, his live-in girlfriend, I never said anything to him about it. I just let the Holy Spirit do his thing. And he, he starts bringing her, and I could tell she didn't really care for me that much. She'd, she'd have her arms crossed looking at me, and it was pretty obvious, like, he made her come to church. And so then she starts softening up. She gives her life to the Lord. And then without me saying anything, they said, we've decided that we'd both like to give our lives to the Lord, which that was a big deal. He's in his 50s. And a lot of guys you meet in their 50s, they've been married once before, and they'll just say it out, you know, I, I made up my mind I'm never getting married again. Well... If you're going to do that, you better become a eunuch because if you're out having sex, you're going to go to hell. Any sex outside of marriage is sin. Yes. You know, amens are light, but that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, this isn't my first rodeo. I know what gets amens and what doesn't. Did I ever tell you that one time? I had this, I don't care, what, I don't care whether Sister Lapley wants to hear it or not. You have to be married. <laughs> You have to be married if you're going to do that. I had, I don't care if the administrator wants to hear it or not. I don't care, yeah. I don't care if your seeker sensitive pastor wants to hear it or not. You must be born again. On, 
on a on a side note, I was preaching at a uh, at a church one time, and I I just dealt with that real quick in my message. I said, you know, if you're living together, you need to either part company or you need to get married. And this young couple came up to me; they're in their twenties, and they said, hey, we heard what you said about living together. Uh, we live together, but we don't have sex. I said, now listen. <laughs> We're standing at an altar in church. I'm gonna have you say, I said this, I said, I'm gonna have you say that one more time and if you're lying, God's gonna kill you. They went, we have sex sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling that you didn't move in together because you needed a scramble partner <laughs> or nobody to play battleship with. <laughs> yeah. I'm not stupid. So then, Chuck, then his, uh, his girlfriend gets saved. Then Chuck asked me, unsolicited, will you, mar will you marry us? I said, I will. So Saturday, their kids came in from Philadelphia, New Jersey, and wherever else they live, and we had a ceremony. That's the only people I've married uh, since I became pastor this year, and they, they, they brought their marriage into covenant with God. Then he joined the veterans brigade that we have to reach all the veterans in the area, and um, he has been bringing sometimes a whole row like, like our, our rows, our sections are about this size where he sits. He'll be on the front row, and the whole front row will be him and his wife and then all the veterans that they've brought. He's brought in two Navy SEALs who have, who have now given their life to the Lord and a bunch of other people, and that guy is on fire. I introduced him last Sunday morning to just, and now, after getting dismissed from the state troopers, they're bringing him back to do national training for the state troopers all around the country, and they're presenting him with a, an award as Veteran of the Year in Washington, D.C. God restored everything, and it's been 10 months. Can you say amen? But I brought that up because it was precipitated by a move of the Holy Ghost. Who was that that caused him to dream that? Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm not saying you're old if you're 56. But uh, the, the Bible says there, that is part. Beyond the nine gifts of the Spirit, there's signs and wonders. There's things, I mean, obviously you don't go outside the rails of the Scripture. If you're having a dream and a little me came to you and said, uh, you, you're fine just the way you are, you can go to heaven, or you need to start going to Buddhist temple, obviously that's not from God. But when, when that's a manifestation of the Holy Ghost that made it very easy to lead him to the Lord and then put a chain of events in, a mo in motion, uh, that, that brought a bunch of other people to the Lord. So the Bible says, concerning spiritual gifts. Now that word gifts is italicized there because it's not in the original language. It would be better translated, now concerning the spirituals, or but that doesn't really like come into English, or the things of the Spirit. So there's not nine gifts of the Spirit. There's things that are of the Holy Spirit and Paul's telling you nine ways the Holy Spirit manifests. So I want you to think of it like this. There's not a Holy Spirit in heaven that says, okay, now I'm going to give you the gift of healing. And now I'm going to give you the gift of prophecy. The Bible says, we're going to read it, if, if I can get past verse 1. It says, the same Spirit is the source of all those gifts. So you don't, Smith Wigglesworth said, you don't worry about which gifts you operate in. Just concentrate on maintaining being full of the Holy Ghost, and then any of those nine gifts are able to operate at any time. Can you say amen? amen. I'll give you another example, like the barbershop. One time when I was uh, 25, because I wasn't married yet, I, I finished preaching a bunch of meetings, 
And then I went to uh, a street in Boston called Newberry Street, which if some of you from Massachusetts, you know that's where all the nice shops are. I had no business being there. But it was, uh, it was about this time of year, heading towards Thanksgiving, and I thought I'm gonna buy uh, Christmas gifts for my, my parents and my sister and see what's there. I had a little money from the offerings, very little, and I just thought I'll, I'll see what I can do. And I'm telling you, the same as when I went to the barber shop that day. I wasn't intending to witness to anybody or ask anyone, did you know God has a wonderful plan for your life? I was tired. I'd been preaching a lot, praying for a lot of people, and I just wanted one day to chill. It was a Saturday before I start going to preach again the next Sunday. So as I'm walking into a store, say this with me. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. Every believer has the ability to be led by the Spirit. Every believer not only has the ability, but should be led by the Spirit. The main way God speaks to you is not by angels or in dreams or in audible voices. I would just love to hear a voice. Well, you better be careful. You're going to end up in the mental institution. Because <laughs> if you're just trying to hear voices, that's not good. But the main way God speaks to you is by the inward witness of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in the Old Testament, the spirit of a man, the spirit of a man is the candlestick of the Lord illuminating the inward parts of the belly. If you will learn to be led by the Spirit, where you feel on the inside of you, that still small voice and that leading. Sometimes, and many of you have experienced this before, some of you moms in Publix, you had your young child with you. you. You might remember this even if you're in your 60s or whatever, back when you're in your 20s or 30s. You had your young child with you. Some guy walked by in the aisle. You had no reason to think it. You didn't know anything about him. And you said, honey, hold my hand and stay close to me. And then you were thinking, until this creep's gone. Something about him didn't hit you right. You didn't feel that in your head. You felt it in your spirit, which is in your belly. How do you know it's in your belly? John 7, 37. On the climax of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out in a loud voice. Uh, come unto me, for in that day rivers of living water will flow out from within or flow out from your belly. But this spake he of the Spirit, John 7, 38. But this spake he of the Spirit who had not yet been given but would be given to all who believe. Look at the disciples in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They, they are watching Jesus do what he does, but they don't know how to do what he does. They even ask him, teach us to pray. We see you doing it. If we try, we fall asleep. But then after they got baptized in the Holy Ghost, what do you see happening? You see that they're now, Peter looks like a totally different person. He goes from a, basically a bumbling idiot. Think of this. If you have low self-esteem and you think you can't make it as a Christian, you should read Peter in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll start feeling pretty good about yourself. He says like one intelligent thing in four books. And when he says it, think of this. The one intelligent thing he says. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say uh, 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 a third thing. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, wow, that's, that's very intelligent. There's no way you came up with your, that yourself. My father gave that to you to say. So the one time he did say something smart, Jesus said, there's no way you got that on your own. That came from God. But then after he got, <laughs> that's true. But then after he got baptized in the Holy Ghost, after Peter got baptized in the Holy Ghost, now a guy that denied Christ to a girl at a campfire, a young girl. 
has thousands of men that are mocking them. And he steps out and says, listen to me, you men of Jerusalem. Some of you are saying these people are drunk, but it's not true. People don't get drunk by nine o'clock in the morning. Never been to Jacksonville. No, what you're seeing now, what you're seeing now was spoken of the prophet Joel. And then he goes on to preach this long sermon. And the Bible says they're pricked in their hearts. And the same mockers say, what should we do? Peter says, each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God. And then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38, this gift is for you and to your children and to those that are afar off. Think of that. He knew it was coming our direction, way out in Florida, way out in the Western Hemisphere. This gift is for those that are far off, even to all who the Lord our God would call. That gift is for everybody. Can you say amen? Then you start seeing Peter being led by the Lord to go to Cornelius' house and preach, led by the Lord uh, to go to Samaria and lay hands on the new converts to receive the Holy Spirit. The leading of the Spirit, say this out loud, God's Spirit never will lead me backwards. God's Spirit will lead me forwards. Anybody ever hear the, the, the evangelist from a long time ago, R.W. Schambach? R.W. Shambuck told a story that there was a man who put $500 in the offering one night and he had to pry it out of his one hand with his other hand to put it in and looked angry that he was giving it. Then the next night he comes back and puts $3,600 cash in the offering, smiling real big. So Brother Shambuck stops him. He used to set up two, he'd set up rubber-made made trash barrels to receive the offering. That's called faith. <laughs> but, I mean... Those tent meetings cost about $300,000 back in the 80s. I mean, like, like a building. And, and, he, and, and he, he had it come in, I mean, in the, in the ghetto, in the bad parts. He went to the part of the projects that people in the projects called the bad projects. <laughs> Bronx and bad part of Chicago. And the money would come in in those offerings from people getting blessed. And this is how they'd come in. That's why Pastor Tom gave that eloquent offering last night talking about how the tithe and offering takes you out of, of, of Biden's economy, he said, and brings you into God's economy. And that he would stay with those tents set up for three weeks, and people would start seeing that happen. So when this guy puts $3,600 in the offering smiling, Brother Shambach stopped him at the altar and said, I saw you uh, give 500 last night, and you looked like you were giving birth. <laughs> so why did you put 3600 in the offering smiling real big? And he said, well, I'll tell you why I looked like that last night. He said, now think of this, this is the 70s. So he said, I needed a new work truck. The one I have right now is barely running. And I finally saved up $500 to put a good down payment on and get a, get a new work truck. Think about $500 in the 70s. You know, now, now it's five tanks of gas. But back, back in the 70s, let me, do, let me do this. Who was working in the 70s? Uh, what, was, what, what was a week's pay? I don't Does anybody remember what they'd get paid in a week or in a month? About 300 bucks. So think of that. So the 500 is a lot. So he said, the Lord spoke to me. Take that. And I'm not taking an offering, so just enjoy the story. If you tell too many stories about money in a row, but I'm not brandishing a weapon or anything. So even the offerings are free will. They're not robberies. So uh, he said, I put that $500 in. 
or I had that $500 set up, and the Lord said, put that in the offering. And I told him, Lord, I need that for a truck. I don't want a truck. I need a truck to do work. The Lord said, put it in the offering. Like, like Pastor Tom was telling you, when God speaks to you about a seed, he's not trying to decrease you. He's trying to get you to put something in his hand so he can increase you. Amen. So he said, I did it. I obeyed. Well, he said, today I was driving in my old truck that needed replaced, and I drive by a truck on the road that's all rusted out and looks in terrible condition that's for sale for $100. And the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, Stay, go buy that truck. And I said, Lord, he said, now I'm like doubly mad. Number one, you took my new truck money. Now you're going to try to give me a truck that's worse than I have. He said, but as strong as I felt on the inside of me to give that 500, I felt to go buy that truck. So I pulled on the property. The son tells him this is my dad's truck. My dad passed away. I'm clearing his stuff out. Obviously, this is an as-is sale. You can see the condition of the truck. In other words, if it breaks down, when you get off my property 100 feet, keep driving. We both see it, 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 it's a lousy truck. And I said, I understand. And I paid him the 100 and I, I drove out. And he said, as I'm driving home, I hear this loud noise coming from the manifold of the engine. I barely get the truck home and I get it shut off, reach under the manifold of the engine and they're caked in grease, hard as a rock, it is uh, this big ball hard grease. So he said, I take it and I take a hammer and smash it. And when I did, they're caked in grease, wrapped in, in uh, like garbage bag material, was $36,000 wrapped in $100 bills. So the best they can figure, you know that generation, like that guy's dad back in the 70s, it, and we, a lot of us had relatives like that, where they, if they went through the Great Depression, they were never putting another dollar of money in any bank ever. Some of you here have two cousins digging up somebody's back, your uncle's backyard in New Jersey as we speak. <laughs> and then some of them would get dementia or something, and they were putting it in the sheetrock of their walls or whatever, and they forgot. And the best they could figure, this guy stacked his $36,000 in savings in $100 bills underneath the manifold of that engine, then went senile and never told anybody. No one knew where it was, but the Holy Ghost knows where all the money is. The Holy Ghost knows. I, I could tell you, I could tell you about, everybody say, follow the Holy Ghost. I have, a, I have a friend who his grandmother was praying and the Lord spoke to her to buy some land in a, in, in a certain state. And so she bought it. She convinced her husband, buy this land. He wanted to buy other land. It didn't make any sense to buy that land. And she said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. She was a Methodist lady. But, you know, back in the old days, Methodists prayed in the morning. Presbyterians prayed in the morning. If you'll spend time with God, God's not mute. If you spend time with him, he'll speak to you. And he'll speak to you from his word. Sometimes you'll be reading the Bible. And some of you have had this happen. You're reading and something jumps off the page at you. And it's, it's a lie. It's like the Lord will speak. It's like this book is like five-dimensional. It's as deep into it as, as you want to look. I remember one time, just out of Bible college, my, um, my mother, my, my grandmother met my grandfather at Bible college. My father met my mother at the same Bible college. I went there and struck out all four years. I didn't meet anybody. And then I'm wondering, how in the world... Am I going to meet somebody now? I'm graduated Bible college. I'm preaching full time. How am I going to meet anybody on the road without it being shady? Because you're preaching. It doesn't really transition well 
into taking a girl out, and then if the date doesn't work out and you're trapped, you just look like the pastor probably just assumes you do that at every church. Just find some girl you think's pretty, date her while you're in town, and, and keep in touch with her for a few weeks and leave, and you're gonna ruin your ministry. You can't, you can't go lay hands on people. Be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. What's your number? That's called being shady. That'll end your ministry. So, and, and I wanted to get married. So I'm thinking, Lord, how am I going to meet? If you don't, and I didn't have, I didn't have any kind of like um, pattern to follow because everybody I knew met their spouse at Bible college. So what, what do you do if you don't meet your spouse at Bible school? I got no way to meet a girl now. And I'm reading the Bible and in the book of Proverbs, it says, establish your business, then build your house. Establish your business, then build your house. And when I read that, I felt the Lord speak to me as clear as day. Son, if I brought a girl into your life right now, where are you going to put her? You don't even have enough money for you. You're living at home with your, with your parents, on, sleeping on the couch. Work on building the ministry. And then as you do, a time will come where I'll bring somebody right alongside you and you won't skip a beat. And that's exactly what happened. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and the daughters of God. Aren't you glad you can be led by the Spirit? So, back to Boston. I'm just minding my own business, looking to do shopping, actually not looking to witness or pray to anyone or talk to anybody. And I see this guy across the street there, there were beggars on Newbury Street, and there's one beggar, which I had seen before. There's beggars in all kinds of cities. And there's one beggar across the street sitting by a Dunkin' Donuts on a milk crate turned upside down. And the Lord spoke to me, go over to him. Now, I told you yesterday, the way it's worked for me, the Bible says that when Samuel was sent to, King Je to Jesse's house, he said, I've selected one of his, king, his sons to be the king of Israel. But he didn't know who it was. But then when he got there and they stood before him, the Lord gave him more information. So I told you the gifts of the Spirit are like headlights on a car. The further you drive, the more you see. So the Lord said, go over to him. Well, I don't know what I'm gonna do once I get over to him. And then if the Lord doesn't tell me anything, which he didn't, I just sat down next to him and awaited further instructions. What's your name? Greg, nice to meet you. Uh, how long you been on the street? And he told me, why are you on the street? Well, my mother gave me, uh, had a bunch of kids, and we were very poor. And I said, well, why, why don't you get a job, you know? Get, get off the street. And he said, well, I can't read. I said, well, they do literacy programs for homeless people. You can say, in Boston, but, you know, Massachusetts has a ton of, ton of programs for everybody. I said, uh, you, could, you could get in there, and they'll teach you how to read, and then you can, you know, have money. Because whatever I put in your Dunkin' Donuts, empty Dunkin' Donuts cup, you're going to go through it. And he said, I, I, I can't read because I can't see. And he points at his eyes and there's a milky film over his eyes. He's blind. I never noticed. Not too bright, not exactly Sherlock Holmes. I didn't notice, no pupil or iris, my bad. So he, said, he says, I can't see. I said, uh, I said, oh. And then he said this, but you know, I pray every day that God will help me. When he said, I pray every day that God will help me, I never told him I was a Christian or a minister or anything. I was just waiting to see if the Lord, Lord told me to go there. He hadn't told me to leave or what to do. So I was just awaiting further instruction. But when I, I pray to God every day. Now, I want you to think of this. Even though I'm teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone that wants to come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. How come the Lord sent me to that guy? 
Well, everybody else isn't necessarily praying, but one guy is. God, help me. Even if it, think about it. Even if it's just some lame prayer, God, help. God, help me today. Then when somebody came in the vicinity who's filled with the Spirit, say this out loud. I am am the hands and feet, the the mouth mouth of Jesus. The Bible says he is the head, we are the body. So they pray and the head hears and the Lord is looking for a vessel. That's why I'm, I'm not preaching on this so you can hear all I know about the gifts of the Spirit and hear some cool stories. If you can release from this room tonight several hundred people that are full of the Holy Ghost, then now when you go through Northport or wherever, the devil's going to have a very bad Thanksgiving season and an even worse Christmas season. I see you doing that in Jesus' name. I said, I see you doing that in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Right now, you're receiving what's called impartation. Impartation can come from the laying on of hands. Timothy, stir up the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. And impartation can come from hearing the, 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 the word preached from one of God's servants, of which I'm one. I'm not the one, I, but I am a one. The Bible says his spirit entered into me when he spake unto me. When you minister the word of God to people, it fires down into the innermost part of your core. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I was pretty detached, but when he said, I, but I pray to God every day to help me, it stirred my spirit up. And I said, which God are you praying to? And he, he looked at me, he said, what do you mean? So there's a lot of gods, which one are you praying to? He looked at me like I was crazy. He went, you know, the God that sent Jesus. I said, then I can help you. So then I started preaching to him out of the Bible. I, and, 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 and like, you know, I was sitting next to him before I know what I'm up on my feet because I can't stay still when I'm ministering the, the word of God. It, there's, there's a quickening power that comes from the word. So he's sitting there and I'm standing in front of him and I start telling him about healing and preaching some of the things I preached to you the other night out of Matthew chapter eight. And I said, what did Jesus do? When I said, has Jesus changed? No, he's the same. I said, that's right. I said, uh, I said so? What did Jesus do when blind people needed help in the Bible? He said he helped them. I said, help them how? He said he made them to see. I said, that's right. Now, I found out later he was from a Baptist church. We love Baptists. I really love Baptists. They're great soul winners. I've patterned a lot of my church, Revival Today Church, off of what Baptists do. If you want to know the truth about it, I've tried to take the soul winning element of Baptist churches, the doctrine of word of faith, and the fire and, and, and urgency to work knowing that Jesus is coming soon to the Pentecostals and make that into a threefold cord that's not easily broken. So I'm not into bashing Baptists. I like them. And so, but Baptists, you know, they spiritualize because they believe in cessationism, most of them. They, they spiritualize Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. So what did he say? He helped them. He didn't help them. He didn't generally help blind people. Jesus didn't give blind people $20 or clean socks, or bottled water. How did he help them? He said he opened their eyes. And I said, has Jesus changed? No. So what will happen when I pray for you? He went, well, he'll help me a little bit. No. See, who was saying the other day that hasn't been to church? You know, Jesse Duplantis wrote in that book, I Never Learned, what's his new book called? I Never Learned to Doubt, because he wasn't raised in church. Nobody ever told him that doesn't work. Nobody ever told him that's talking about spiritual blindness. No one ever told him that when Jesus took stripes, 
It was for your spiritual sickness. He never learned to doubt. So there's a raw faith that's in the unbeliever, just like our friend, the mailman that came and got his back healed. Amazing how he was able to snatch that miracle because he hasn't had 50 years of Sunday school classes telling him that doesn't happen anymore. He just heard it, believed it, latched on to it, and got it. And tonight, you're receiving that raw kind of faith that latches on to the great things of God. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. So he said, he'll help me a little. I said, no. And I know this was the gift of faith and just flowing in the spirit. Because I never had had somebody's blind eyes come open, ever, nothing close. Even the testimony our brother gave, which that's not outright blindness, I never had anything close to that happen. So it's not like I'm looking for blind people on the street to open their eyes. But just say this out loud, get in the flow. Get in the flow. Say this, follow the, Holy Ghost. follow the Holy Ghost. That's how we got our $8 million church building for free. Adalis saw that building and said, I believe God's gonna give us that building. Sent someone over to go check it out. The owner's standing there. Are you interested in buying this building? I've been trying to unload it. I prayed today that, that somebody, that God would send me a buyer. I think you're the ones. Just come to the meeting. Don't worry about financing or anything. I have, a, I have a feeling this is an answer to my prayer. That's God. You don't have to force anything. Just get in the flow of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you, there's people here tonight that your life has felt like going uphill your whole life. But after tonight, it's going to feel the opposite. Like the wind of heaven is at your back, making happen quickly what you could never do at all. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty. God. If you receive that one more time, go ahead and clap your hands, all ye people, and give God a mighty, mighty shout. Somebody say, get in the flow. And that's all I did, get in the flow. Go over and talk to that guy. Then it starts, but I'm telling you, it never feels like, I used to minister this way, you know, we're going to have healing night, and then I'm going to try to get you healed, but now just get in the flow. I had a guy ask me one time at 6.45, what are you going to preach on tonight? I said, how should I know? <laughs> because I'm going to get, I don't really preach. I don't deliver messages or, or lectures. I get in the flow. God has a flow. God had a flow last night when I spotted Preacher Jay. I'm not trying to because he's my friend or I know him. I knew to have him come up and preach. What did Preacher Jay tell me and Pastor Tom after? He said, after you had me preach the first time or speak, and had me sit back down. I started to pray in my seat, and I saw myself back on the stage praying for everybody, and right when I did that, you said, Preacher Jay, come back up and pray for everybody. Everybody say, get in the flow. Now, to get in the flow, you need to know a couple things. Say this, God knows who I am. Say, God knows where I am, and God has a plan for me to go forward. And don't remember that lady my uncle Ted prayed for in that video I showed you? I thought God forgot about me. Don't ever think God forgot about you. He doesn't even forget about sparrows and they don't even matter. That's what Jesus said. How much more valuable are you to God than sparrows? He knew about your detached retina. He knows about what you're carrying in your body. And if you'll turn your life over to him, God will pick you up out of whatever pit you're in and put your feet on a rock to stay tonight in Jesus' name. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So you get, get in the flow. I said, no. 
I said, Jesus didn't help people a little that were blind. He healed them. I said, so when I pray, and he cut me off. He went, when you pray, then Jesus will heal me. I said, that's right. I put my fingers on his eyes. I said, stand up and lift your hands in the name of Jesus. I curse this blindness. I command it to come out of your eyes. I command both eyes to see clearly. And for some reason, I had an easy time praying because we're on the street. There's no video cameras. If it doesn't work, there's no crowd of church people to explain anything to. You're not on live stream with people asking, why doesn't this work? Just, if it don't, you know, if I, I just thought if it prayed and it didn't work, I was like, well, see you later. <laughs> Did my best. So I, I prayed. Let these eyes come open in Jesus' name. And I took my thumbs off his eyes. I said, I said, tell me what you see. Well, he was honest. He went, I don't see any better. I said, okay, let me pray a second time. So I prayed a second time. And I said, uh, I took my thumbs off his eyes. He said, I, I can't really see. And so I said, let me just pray one more time. I won't keep doing this all day, but let me just pray one more time. And I put my thumbs on his eyes, and I, I just kind of settled in to the anointing. Before I said, Father, in Jesus' name, I, I said, Father, for your glory. And I'm not teaching on it tonight, but I guess I am now. <laughs> Even in prayer, be led by the Spirit. Yes. If you ever help somebody move and you go to carry their couch out, if they let their half down, you can... You can tell. Feels like you're doing all the pulling. And in prayer, if it feels like you're doing all the pulling and pushing, you're not in the flow. Bible says you do not know what you should pray for nor how you should pray. Even in preaching, I had to learn that. If you just pick your own direction, you can be preaching everything that's right out of the Bible, but it's not God's flow for that night. And so it's you just going the wrong way. But then when you get in the flow... It works. So even in prayer, that's why it's good to pray in tongues. And then as you're praying in tongues, you'll start having your spirit pop stuff up to you. Pray. Father, I pray for my, you know, it's like, Cobra, Ashtandia. Father, I pray for my Aunt Linda, wherever she is right now. Pray you put your hand on, you know, she just came to your mind for some reason. And, and you feel the, the wind of heaven behind what you're praying. Then when you're done, go back into tongues. What will I do then? I'll pray in the language I understand and I'll pray in the spirit. I'll sing in the language I understand and I'll sing in the spirit. That's what Paul said. So there's a, you do not know what you should pray for nor how you should pray, but the spirit prays through you with groanings that cannot be expressed in your natural language. So in everything, the more you yield yourself to the flow of the Holy Ghost, the greater the explosiveness Sometimes I think, and I, I owe my wife my life. You know, I've been buying her very nice things, and I'm going to buy her more nice things because if it wasn't for her being led by the Spirit and committing to being led by the Spirit, because the first time she brought that property up to me, I said, no, we're already, we already bought property. We need to finish that one. I'm not getting involved in a second property, and she was just quiet. And then she brought it up to me a second time, and the second time I knew she had the leading of the Lord, and we went that direction. But if it wasn't for her... I could be in a 25-year building program, raising money, doing capital campaigns and men's pancake breakfasts and uh, uh, fish dinners at the church on Wednesday nights, stinking the place up, trying to raise 600 bucks, coloring in some red thermometer and, and thanking the Michelson family for their generous donation. You know what you learned? Oh, you grew up in the same churches as me. You know, <laughs> you know what you learned from Isaac? and Ishmael is that you can get a promise from God 
But if you try to do it in the flesh, it causes problems. That's what Ishmael was. Abraham knew he had a promise to have a son, just like I need a church building to have church. But if I just, well, hire a real estate attorney and then see how much we can get pre-qualified for for a mortgage and do it all natural. Give God a chance to move. Can you say amen? Everybody say, get in the flow. I had a 19, uh, 2003 Toyota Camry, and I had driven that thing into the ground, 180-some thousand miles. And then Adolis and I started to buy TV time on Fox and ABC in Philadelphia, Harrisburg, which was a huge step for us at the time. And um, we bought all our own TV equipment because we couldn't, we couldn't afford to hire a TV equipment to film. So I got pictures of Adolis, eight months pregnant, filming with four-inch heels on because she's Puerto Rican. They wear heels in, into the delivery room. <laughs> so we, st we start packing that, that Toyota Camry with all our cameras and equipment. It's weighing the car down. Looking like a heroin dealer heading into the Bronx at two in the morning. The, the car's like weighed to the ground. And then uh, we packed it so full between our suitcases and stuff that we had to pack it through the divide between the two seats to the windshield. Well, that's not safe. We couldn't even talk to each other on a five-hour drive. That was all we had. So I need an SUV, and I, but I don't have enough money for an SUV. I, you know what I hate? Because for some reason, I feel super comfortable with you. So this is like a half, half revival, half group therapy. <laughs> Hello, my name's John. I'm from Pittsburgh. You know what I hate? I drive into a church with that busted up car weighed to the ground. And some deacon would be in the parking lot. You need an SUV. No freaking kidding. The trick is not knowing you need an SUV. The trick is buying the SUV. <laughs> really? You think I do? Huh. Thanks. <laughs> but you can't say that as the visiting minister, so you the guy would say, you need an SUV, and I'd just go like this. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I know. When you give me the $50 honorarium tonight, I'll go down and buy one. Hello, Mr. Cadillac dealer. I have $50. Show me your finest SUV. So I know I need an SUV. So I, I had a miraculous offering come in in one of my meetings. I stayed at this church three weeks, a bunch of money came in, and I thought, now I can get a vehicle that can actually haul up my equipment. And um, I had enough. I had rented a Cadillac Escalade before, and the way the chair felt, it just felt nice. It looked nice. I, this back like 2011. So I wanted one, and then I thought, nah, that's a lot. That's basically going to exhaust about 75% of what we have in the bank on a vehicle, which I know is not wise. And so I called my father up and I said, I was thinking about getting an Escalade, but it'd probably be better to get a Tahoe or a Suburban or something, right? He said, yeah, and not even prosperity-wise or anything. He said, you do, you're doing a lot of meetings, you know, North Philadelphia and Camden, you're doing all those outdoor crusades. He says, it's probably not the best idea to roll in there with an Escalade and leave it parked somewhere. You'll be a target. 
So he said, even for that reason, get one. I said, you're right. You know, I, I like listening to people that know more than me. And my dad's a good guy. So I said, you're right. So I said, yeah, okay, that settles it. It's cheaper. I'm going to go get a, a, a Chevy Tahoe or a Suburban or whatever. So I go to drive to the Suburban place. But in order to go there, I had to go, in Pittsburgh, I had to go past the Cadillac dealership. So I'm driving by the Cadillac dealership, and I kid you not, I'd already made up my mind I'm getting a, a, a Suburban for a little less money. Although it's not that much less. But I, I felt the Lord speak to me, go into that Cadillac dealership. Okay, same way I felt to go pray for that blind guy. Get, everybody say, get in the flow. So I go into that Cadillac dealership, and um, he didn't say I had to buy anything. So I bring the car to a stop. Salesman comes out. Can I help you? And I'm trying to think of a way to, like, stall. And as he's talking to me, another guy comes out. Brother Jonathan. Well, man, if there's one place I like being called brother. It's at a Cadillac dealership. Brother Jonathan. Do you remember me? I said, I, I vaguely remember you. Where have I seen you before? He said, don't you remember? My son had Tourette syndrome, verbal Tourette. He ticked verbally and he ticked bad. But, uh, uh, so bad that public school would, told them he disrupts class, so we'll pay you to homeschool him. They kicked him out. You know, he can't, can't come. It's too much of a problem. And he came to your meeting, and on the night you laid hands on everybody to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he got his prayer language and spoke in other tongues. And once he spoke in other tongues, he never ticked again. He said, so he got to go back to school. You know, he was getting picked on, all that stuff. And he said, now he's not getting picked on or anything. Are you? So when, then he says that, and he goes, are you looking to buy a Cadillac? I am now. Because I'm telling you these stories to show what the flow go there. Oh, my son got healed in your meeting. I'm the head of sales. Not a salesman, head of sales. Then he told the other guy, I'll, I'll take this one. And he takes me into the back room and says, uh, I don't know if you like Cadillac Escalades. First of all, who doesn't? No, more of a Bentley guy. I don't know if you like Escalades, he said, but somebody just traded in that one. It was a 2011 or 2012. It was like two years old. Somebody, it was black, you know, beautiful. Somebody traded that one in. He said, it, they just brought it here. We just put new tires on it. And he showed me the spreadsheet. He said, we have 720 some dollars in it for the four tires and the cleaning work. He said, if you want it, I'll pay you what we paid for the trade-in price plus the 700 so we don't lose money. That price was lower than, the, than the, the less expensive one I was going to go get. So if you ever see me tear up at Pastor Eddie's when I'm reading Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. God heard what I really wanted. And even though I made up an echo, a, a better budgeting decision to do something else, so I said, no, that's nice that you're going to try to be a good steward. Go in there. I'll give you both. I'll give you the thing that you want for less than you were going to pay for the cheaper thing. I'm going to tell you, that's going to be par for the course in this last hour of time. That God is going to give you the thing that you would have never looked for for cheaper than you would have got it in Jesus' name. Somebody say, get in the flow. 
I know, I, know, I know skeptical people think this is like the power of suggestion and stuff, but they do. And, I don't, and that's why I kind of avoid saying this. But how many of you can feel the presence of the Lord in here tonight? I can feel that the Holy Ghost is preparing people that are here tonight to get in the flow because the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. And God is getting you positioned. You'll miss it if you do everything the natural way. But if you'll learn to follow the inward witness of the Holy Ghost, God will take you higher in 11 months than you could get in 110 years by obeying his voice. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Everybody say cars. I'm going to tell you about airplanes. Camila got, was born 2013, my first child, new territory for me. And uh, like an idiot, I took, I took like six weeks off before the delivery because Adalis was getting so big in her stomach. You know, Camila ended up being nine pounds, 14 ounces. And Adalis weighed like 105 before the pregnancy. So... You know, from behind, you couldn't even tell she was pregnant. Then she turned around, boom! <laughs> Look, she was shoplifting volleyballs. <laughs> so the thing was, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know I should ask somebody, but really, you know, if you're going to take the time off, you should do it for after the pregnancy because then you can help. But I did it before. I thought there's no way she's going to carry. Like, there's no way this baby's not going to come early. But, but I was wrong. And then <laughs> this pastor in the area said, I know your baby's going to be born soon, but I'm going down to Florida on vacation. Can you cover that Sunday morning for me? Uh, if you can, it's no problem, because I know Cam- Camila's due around that time. I said, what are the chances that my wife's going to go into labor on that Sunday morning? Well, it turned out the chances were 100%. <laughs> And I'm telling you, I'm not saying all Puerto Ricans are like this, but my wife's different. I'm sound asleep Sunday morning, and I get my shoulders shook, and I open my eyes. She's fully dressed in high heels or their makeup done, and she went, my water broke. My mom's driving me into the hospital. Come see me after you're done preaching. She's different. It's like being married to, like, Rambo. So... She gets in midnight tomorrow night. So she'll be here with Camila. She's looking forward to seeing you. So um, I, I, I did the message. Just get, rolled the dice and uh, got done, prayed for everybody, headed right over to the hospital, made it at about 2.30 p.m. And Camila was born at 6.37. So there she's born. So I had to go out because I did that stupid scheduling. I had to go out and preach like immediately. So I was with her for a couple days, then I went out to preach. Then I come back. And then I'm home for, I got home on Friday night. I had to leave on Saturday. Uh, I got home on Thursday night from a Wednesday meeting. And I had to go back out on Saturday to preach on Sunday. So I was home one day, Friday with her. Then Saturday morning, I drove to all my meetings back then. So my meeting's in Boston from Pittsburgh. That's a 10-hour drive. And uh, I know they say you fall in love with your kid when you see him born. 
but I fell in love that week later. So I wake up, and Camila would sleep in between us, and I look, and there's this smiling, bowling ball with hair. <laughs> she was a big baby, 10 pounds. We had to get her baby spanks. I didn't even know they made those. Otherwise, you couldn't even fit in the zip-up uh, jammies. Anyway. The crowd is slowly turning on the evangelist. So when I see her there smiling at me, that's when it hit me. I was like, wow, this is cool. And I just was staring at her. So then I went in the kitchen and made myself coffee, and I just sat in the bed, drinking coffee, staring at my daughter like a creep. <laughs> like one of those Biden photos. So, so then I started thinking in my mind, I needed to be on the road at, at about 10, 10, 10 a.m. And I think, well, I can, I can wait till noon. Noon comes like this. I can wait till two and get there in the middle of the night. It's no big deal. I want to spend a little time with my family. And then the thought hits me. I wonder how much it would be to charter a plane. I've never even heard of that. I called Magalas, and I, who worked for us part-time back then. I had no employees. She worked part-time. And to be honest with you, I had her on hourly pay because I thought if we regress, then I don't have to lay her off. I just cut her hours. That's where my faith was at. I thought, I'm on a hot streak. No telling how long this is going to keep up. I'll tell you something, though, that I've learned now through the last 12 years. Once the Lord changes your level, he never changes it back. You can change it back by sinning or if I go out and have an affair or something. I'm going to set myself back. But once God qualifies you for another level, you never go backwards. I tell you all over this house, God's going to change your level tonight, and you'll never go backwards in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Now, I realize now, where did that thought come from? Back then, I wasn't even flying first class. I didn't have faith to go from 600 round trip to, to 1,100 round trip, let alone go charter a plane. And I thought, well, let me check. Worst, worst thing I'll find out is that I can't afford it. So I called Magalas and said, can you, can you uh, just call around like 13 different charter companies and find out if there's anybody um, that's reasonable that I can afford? So she does. And they're a ton of money. I think back then, ministry and personal, I had about 21 grand in the bank. And uh, we find one for 5,800 one way. That's a lot of money. That's five first class tickets. And I think, well, keep calling. Keep that guy on hold and then use his price and see if you can get anybody lower. So she does. So as she's doing it, I go out to the mall to buy some shaving cream and stuff, and I told the Lord on my way out. I said, Father, if you're okay with me doing this, I need a sign. I said, and if you're not okay with me doing this, I need a sign. The only reason I even have any money at all to make these decisions is because you've blessed me. And if you think this is a stupid use of money, let me know, and I won't do it. I'd be happy to drive through tonight. I've done it my whole life. But if you let me have a day with my daughter and my wife. See, people don't think right. Well, it's expensive to charter a plane. Not as expensive as getting divorced. So if Jeffrey Epstein can have a plane to molest kids, you'll find out God actually doesn't mind you having one to have two extra days a week with your family. Can you say amen? 
And again, if the Clintons are watching, I was just making an illustration. You don't have to, you don't have to kill me over it. Just so everybody knows, the brakes on my car work fine. I just want to get that out there. So, I drive back home, and Mogala's found someone that would undercut the other guy's price. So this guy had a plane on hold for me, and then we undercut him. So I go, fine, I agree to it. 5,500, 5, let's do it. So the guy that quoted me 5,800 sends an email. And Mogal said, the guy sent an email. Do you want me to read it to you? I said, no, he's probably going to curse me out for having him hold a plane for seven hours and then canceling. She said, no, let me read it. So this guy writes, now, I didn't tell these people I was a preacher. That's the last thing I was going to tell somebody. I just, but I gave him my email, and my email was jonathan at revivaltoday.cc back then. So he said, I... I saw that you are a preacher. So I'm thinking, oh, he's gonna, how can you use the Lord's money this way? He said, I just became, um, I just became the head of this chartering service. And he said, when the Lord made me the head of it, I remembered that growing up in the assemblies of God, we always had a spring revival and a fall revival. And the evangelists always looked tired and beat up and, and their cars looked worn out, and they would always talk about when they got the mic how much they missed their family, but they're on the road for the Lord. He said, for some reason, when the Lord promoted me in this company, that was my first thought. And I said, Father, if you know any young evangelists that I can help with an aircraft to see their family more often, show me who they are. And I believe you're the answer to that prayer. Let me tell you something. I called that guy back in about two minutes and said, don't believe I'm the answer to that prayer. I am the answer to that prayer. And if you hear from any other Shuttlesworth, they're liars. I would not trust them. I don't vouch for their ministry. I'm the guy. Don't be giving my plane to no Teddy Shuttlesworth. I'll tell you that much. That's my plane. So he said, what an enjoyable week. Let me tell you. All time five best crowds. And I, I just want you to know. I mean, it's, it's nothing but smiles. Praise God. Except there's one guy in the white shirt. Other than him, all smiles. Can you say amen? He said, the price I quoted you is the lowest price I could quote you because you called the company. This is my cell phone number. Call this number from now on and I'll give you the price we would give to a pilot. So I flew that morning. Now think of this, and now I've been doing it all the time, but that was the first time I did it back in 2012. And instead of driving through the night, getting in at four in the morning, checking into the hotel and getting up to my bed at 5 a.m. and then setting the alarm for two hours later to do the early service, I woke up in my bed in Pittsburgh at seven in the morning to do a nine o'clock service in Boston. Then you drive to the plane and there's no security, nobody feeling your no-nos. <laughs> nobody checking for Al-Qaeda in your underpants. Hey, there's no terrorists in there. That's, that's my thigh. You drive, you drive straight onto the runway, 
right up to the plane. And then you're so used to being nervous. When's the, when's the plane leaving? You say to the guy, how long till the, we take off? Whenever you're ready, Mr. Shuttlesworth. Mr. Shuttlesworth. I'd never, I was 32. I'd never been called Mr. Shuttlesworth unless it was followed by, we're going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> Somebody shout new levels. Say the Lord is taking me to new levels. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. I said forever. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where your family's never been, you're gonna be the first one that goes there. You're gonna cross lines your family's never crossed. You're gonna break barriers your family's never broken. Somebody has to be the first in their family to say, I'm going higher. That person's gonna be you in Jesus' mighty name. So rejoice and be glad. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout hallelujah. You can be seated. And I, I used to do that very sporadically. I'd use that guy to charter planes. And uh, then in 2020, when COVID hit, and uh, Camila was about to get released from school, and she travels with me all summer, I was on a plane, and then across the aisle there was a five-year-old kid. And you know, they didn't even have kids masks back then. They're like a big baggy one for adults. And this flight attendant leaned over across the mother, put, his, put her finger in that kid's face put your mask up and starts yelling. And I thought, and I'm not saying this to be macho. I don't recommend this. This is something the Lord should work on. But I thought if somebody, if somebody leans across me and yells at Camila for her mask beat below her nose, I'm going to Guantanamo. I'm going to black out and wake up in Cuba. Because I know me. And I thought, well, it is expensive to charter planes but not as expensive as hiring an international lawyer <laughs> to get you a trial date from Guantanamo Bay. So I thought, I'm gonna charter planes this summer just, just because the, the country was nuts and plane travel was insane. So I did. I had enough to go one way down. When that meeting finished, the offering was good, and I thought, well, if it's, if it's above a certain level, I'll take one back, and I did. And then it just kept going like that. And after I did it about the third meeting, the Lord spoke to me in 2020, there's gonna be a disruption in uh, domestic air travel. So you need to start setting your faith for this to make it a, a habit. So I did, and it was a, that was a big deal for me. It was a big deal. Take people with me and equipment. Now I can charter those little planes like I was chartering before. Now you have to have like an actual jet. So I started doing that. Then there were those dis domestic disruptions. Then the Lord spoke to me in December. Everybody say, follow the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, get in the flow. I'm eating cake. December 31st, uh, 2000. You don't have to repeat that, that you weren't even eating cake. I'm not going to make you say things that aren't true. There's always one person that repeats one sentence too far, then feels embarrassed and won't come back anymore. 
I'm eating cake on December 31st, 2020, and the Lord speaks to me, build me a strong church in this city. Building, building gets produced by God, and I start thinking, how in the world am I gonna keep the evangelistic ministry going and it not detract, and also build the church? Because both things take 100% of your focus. But God already had me on the track with that plane. Everybody say, follow the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you the rest of it. While I was wondering, how am I gonna stay on track with both things? I was driving with my wife, Adalis, down to go hear my Uncle Ted during COVID to um, Mount Morris, Pennsylvania. If you take 79 South out of Pittsburgh, it's the last exit before you get to West Virginia. So I'm, I'm going there to hear him for a revival. And I said to Adalis, how are we gonna do both of these things? And the Lord spoke to me, do what Lester Summerall did. Lester Summerall preached Sunday morning and then would leave in the afternoon on his own plane and go out and travel and then come back and be back in his pulpit for Sunday. And he started a Bible college. And then when, when the Lord said do what he did, I felt to add the Bible college too. I go to the meeting that night and my Uncle Ted calls me up on the platform. So Jonathan, I didn't know you were coming. He said, when I was praying this afternoon, I was praying for you, and then again, when I saw you while I was preaching, Lester Summerall's face came up before me. He said, and I don't, I don't know if this will mean anything to you, but the Lord's gonna give you that pattern of ministry that'll help you do the thing. Everybody say, get in the flow. Get in the flow. One more time, say, get in the flow. Get in the flow. Say, God has a flow for my life. God has a flow for my life. This lady in the black, uh, top and the slits cut out as our brother said that are supposed to be there stand on your feet step out in the aisle lift both hands as you do the power of God comes upon you in Jesus mighty name enjoy the joy of the Lord amen probably could have left that part out she was already enjoying it Why is she doing that? Ask her when she gets up. I'm not Sigmund Freud. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Can you say amen? One more time, say get in the flow. So the, that night the Lord gave me that pattern to do is my ministry. And that's how the church started out of that, getting in the flow. Do you know when I give him to Pastor Rodney's meetings, the Lord will start speaking to me even while he's preaching. He's called me up several times and given me words. I stay in the, say get in the flow. Get in the flow. Somebody say stay in the flow. Stay in the flow. How many of you, now it's been Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and tonight's not even over. So how many of you just in being in three nights of meetings have started to catch yourself saying and doing things a little differently and your mind more trained on heaven. Now, if you'll make that not a blip on the radar, 
but your pattern for living. I'm not saying to pray in tongues for 20 minutes before you decide what you're going to wear, but I'm also not saying not to pray in tongues for 20 minutes before you decide what you're going to wear. You actually, you can be weird. You can be somebody that pretends to be spiritual, but you cannot overindulge in the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? There are people that are goofy. There are people that use spirituality as a way to be dysfunctional in society. But you can be somebody that's very spiritual. And the more spiritual you are, you ever hear the saying, people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? You actually can't be. Now you can be pretend heavenly minded, but the more you fix your mind and focus your thoughts on the word and on heaven, the Bible says don't set your affections on things below, but set your affection, your heart on things above. You cannot overindulge. You can't go deep into that realm. And I'm telling you ahead of time, congratulations on an adventure into the realm of the Holy Ghost. God is going to take you further these next 11 months than the last 11 years in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you receive that, take 15 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Somebody say, I'm going higher. One more time, I'm going higher. Somebody say, follow the Holy Ghost. Now that all came out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts are the things of the Spirit. You don't worry, I have the gift of healing. No, you don't. You have the Holy Ghost, and he manifests these nine ways. You have that river on the inside of you, and these are the nine ways that river flows. Can you say amen? amen. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols, even as you were led. Notice how Paul is making a distinction that if you're going to flow in the Spirit, you have to get away from um, relics, dream catchers, whatever. Christians have things. That's the chair Catherine Kuhlman sat in. Great. Before we built this church, we poured water from the Sea of Galilee on the entire foundation. That's awesome. It's not the Sea of Galilee that was anointed. It was the one that walked on the sea who's anointed. Say out loud, I have the Holy Ghost. Say, he is the source of those gifts. I'm not carrying anything around with me. If I, if I want to feel something, I put my hand on my belly and go, thank you, Father, that your spirit lives on the inside of me. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Can you say amen? So, when you were Gentiles, you were led away by dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Say with me, and I'm not having you repeat stuff for no reason. It's to get it in your spirit, important things. Say diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Pastor Tom, myself, and Pastor Rodney Howard Brown are all preachers, and our, if you give us 60 minutes to minister, it's nothing alike. Diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. You ever notice in, cult, in cults, everything's the same. Everybody has the same white shirt, black pants, black shoes, same haircut. The devil likes uniformity. 
satanic thing. Everybody got the same black robe on. But in Christianity, it's not like that. Christianity, everybody's different. And if you're not careful, you'll only learn how to receive from one type of gift. I like, I like, Brother John, I like Jonathan Shelsworth. I don't really care for Rodney Howard Brown. You need, to learn, you need to learn not to eat the same trough of ice cream. There's 30 other flavors. And there's people, they can only receive from somebody if they're preaching hard, and then if someone's teaching, they won't listen. Then there's other people, I don't like preaching, I like teaching. You need to learn to receive every kind of gift God has. And yeah, you'll have your favorite and everything, but you, you, you better make sure you don't cross into the territory of shutting someone off because they don't minister the way that you like. Can you say amen? Diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Oral Roberts never preached less than two hours. Raymond T. Ritchie never preached more than 25 minutes. And both had great healings and miracles and packed crowds. Different gifts, different diversities of gifts, but the same Lord, the same Holy Ghost. There's diversities of administrations, the way you administer the gift, but the same Lord. There's diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. Now, if there was a famous minister in America, how did he minister healing? He'd get everybody worshiping for two hours. He had anointed people on the organ and a choir, and they'd sing the presence of God in that place. And when he felt it kick in, he'd start calling people out. They had people that moved through the crowd and prayed for people that were in wheelchairs. Then they'd start bringing the testimonies up. Then you'll have people like my Uncle Ted that'll preach. And then when he feels it, stand up, little sister. Lord shows me you have this, this, and this. That other minister wouldn't call people out in the gifts or tell them what was wrong, but they all got healed. So there's diversities, even as the way the gift of healing is administered. Oral Roberts said he would feel his right hand get warm and begin to vibrate, and that's when he knew the gift of healing was on his hand. I've never had that happen one time. But you've seen the testimonies all this week of people getting healed. So you don't make a religion out of a way a gift is administered. Can you say amen? And that's why, and I, there's really no point in bringing this up, but I, I just feel to say it. When they have you in as a guest speaker at places, obviously Pastor Tom's not like this, but you know, we, we, we usually start, service starts at seven, we start preaching by 7.25, we try to be done by 8.15, and then um, we don't give altar calls, we have the worship team play, and we'll have our assistant pastors pray for people at the beginning. Okay, well then you speak. If you're, if you're gonna make everything happen the way it does when you happen, you know, I'll, I'll give you another thing. Pastor Rodney does not take his offerings at the end, he takes them at the beginning. I take mine at the end. I've tried to take them at the beginning again. I just end up preaching and, take it and have to take it at the end. There's actually been other ministers that I actually like the way they do things better than me. And I've tried to do it, and I can't because there's my thing. Now, everybody say gift. Yeah. The first time they let me preach, I was a senior in high school, and they knew I was going to Bible college, so they said in my youth group, would you like to speak to the youth group? I said, sure. It was awful. No one told me it was awful. I was at about the 35 minute mark and I was thinking, this is awful. <laughs> Not the crowd's awful, you stink. I was listening to my sermon going, this is boring. I don't feel anything in this. So I go to Bible college a couple weeks later and I asked the Lord one night on a Saturday night, Father, whatever is in my dad and my uncle Ted, that when they preach, I, I like well up with tears and feel it burning on the inside of me. Whatever that is that you gave them, if you're calling me to do this full time, I can't be doing what I did in youth group. I need whatever that is they have. 
In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Sunday morning, I go to Freshman Chapel. I'm half, I'm not even half asleep. I'm almost fully asleep. Because I had it very early in the morning. And I stayed up late. So I'm standing, trying to figure out a way that I can fall asleep while looking like I'm worshiping. I really was. I was 17 and not, not mature and not a good steward of time. So uh, I'm standing there literally like that, but the Lord heard my prayer from the night before. And this student stood up. He was 25 at the time. His name was Jesse, Jesse Norwood. He still pastors in Illinois. And he stood up and bolted out a message in tongues. And I'm, you know, we were trained at our Pentecostal church. If somebody gave a message in tongues, you'd be reverent. I had my head down. And then he turns around and points at me. And I thought, oh, no. What did I do? I'm trying to think if there's any, like, unconfessed sin or why I'm getting singled out. But it wasn't that. Everybody say this. God has something good for me. Jonathan, thus saith the Lord. You have asked me for the gift to preach, and now I give unto you the gift to preach. And I'm telling you, it felt like something came and slapped me right here. Boom. I felt it. Had no outlet for it because I wasn't preaching that day. The next time I was invited to preach, not even then, from that time on, anytime I thought about preaching, up until today, I mean, still, you could wake me up from a nap, put a mic in my hand and go, step out behind that curtain, there's 30,000 people waiting to hear you speak. And it, it, something would just start. It's like turning a faucet on and it comes out from within. The only thing I have to worry about is quitting to be kind to the people because people have to get up early for work and stuff. I, I could preach on, you know, I've proved that. And it's not hard and it doesn't wear me out. And people say, oh, boy, I've seen you preach. You were, you were preaching two times a day. Uh, 16 services in the last eight days, you must be tired. I'm not tired. I bring um, Brother Devin on the road with me. He gives me some extra sound equipment, monitors, and stuff, because if, if you take care of the sound, in my opinion, it probably will add 12 years to your life. If I have good sound, I could preach three times a day and never feel it. It's the easiest thing. I love talking about the Word of God. You know, and then you get a crowd like you that's, that's ready and open. It's not exhausting, it's refreshing. I actually have a problem falling asleep afterwards because it, 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 I love it. God put it, now when I was doing it dry off the gift and, and I still remember how grating it was. But then with the gift, some of you guys are mechanics in here and do construction. You get ground up gears and you have no oil. It's a hopeless case. But then you add the oil to it. And that stuff that's stuck and hard becomes malleable and able to work by the oil. What else can the oil do? Why do you put oil in an engine? What does it absorb? What, what does it absorb? Heat. So the heat that would crush someone else, when you're anointed, you absorb it. You know, Pastor Tom probably didn't even feel like he was doing anything during COVID. Probably you look back now like I do. Go, I can't believe we were doing all that when the whole world was shut down. I didn't feel like it was shut down. I just kept, kept going ahead. Then you actually look back at what happened and you think, wow, I've talked to Adonis about that. You remember we did this, this, and this? 
and this and then this. And we were just laughing and having fun. That was serious. That's amazing that that happened because the anointing not only makes things that you couldn't do at all work with ease, it absorbs the heat that would destroy other people. I'm going to tell you something. Tonight when I lay hands on you, God is going to pour his oil over your head and fill you on the inside with the rivers of living water. Anything that's dry isn't going to be dry anymore. And any heat that was trying to burn you up, anything the devil was using to oppress you and mess up your life, you're going to go through it and not even feel it by the anointing of the Holy Ghost and fire in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive that, celebrate ahead of time. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Lift both hands. If you're filled with the spirit, begin to pray in the spirit. Let that oil from heaven be poured over your head right now. Say like the psalmist said, I will be anointed with fresh oil. Anoint me, Lord. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I will be anointed with fresh oil. I will be anointed with fresh oil. I will be anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil, Lord, fresh oil, and keep me ever fresh. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God can call Jesus cursed, and no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit, differences of administration but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God that worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Who's eligible? To profit with all. Say this, the gifts of the Spirit bring profit. They bring increase. Lester Summerall said, no church has ever honored the manifestation of the Spirit and gone backwards. Well, we don't allow speaking in tongues on Sunday because that scares off a lot of people. No, if you read Acts 2, it brings in a lot of people. Tongues are not assigned to the believer, they're assigned to the unbeliever. God didn't give the gifts of the Spirit to, to knock the church down. Well, I've seen a lot of hurt happen because of the gifts of the Spirit. You've seen a lot of idiots that didn't know what they were doing. But nothing that's done in a, nothing that's done in a service can't be dealt with in that same service. Either by explaining what happened, correcting what happened, or having the person thrown out of the service. But what if you just... And just let the monkeys take over the zoo, then you got a problem. Just because someone thinks they're anointed or whatever, they don't, they don't have carte blanche to take a service over. Lord's given me a word. Yeah, I'm sure he has. I have a word for you too. Sit down. As John Fetterman would say, I have three words for you. Sit down. First Corinthians 12, 7. 
but the manifestation is given to every man to profit with all. Everybody say to profit. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Everybody say gifts of, of healings. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. Not discernment, discerning of spirits. I have the gift of discernment. When you meet people like that, they don't have the gift of discernment. They have the gift of suspicion. I have the gift of discernment. I think she smokes. Well, congratulations on that powerful gift. How come you don't ever discern anything good about anybody? You see, I, you know, August, Pastor Augustine that opened the service up? You know how he came to work for me? He was sitting on the front row, and I felt, as I took the mic, that, that, that's uh, your guy for this church. And I brought him up on Sunday morning and said, I'm not trying to force you into anything, but if you'd like to work at this church, you're hired. So just let Mogalis know if you want. And he's been with me since that Sunday morning. I, as soon as I saw him, I didn't discern son. I think he has a problem. I think he has pride. No, you can, you can actually see good things in people too. When that one disciple brought his brother to Jesus, Jesus said, there's a true son of Israel in whom there is no guile, a righteous man. I perceive you're a righteous man. You're a good man. There's no lie in you. You're real. How do you know me? Oh, I saw you when you were sitting under the fig tree. Uh, oh, you're, you're freaked out because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see more than that. You'll see angels ascending and descending. Jesus operated on all three of those revelatory gifts in, in like less than a paragraph. He discerned his spirit. Discerning a spirit can discern a demon. It can discern an angel. It can discern the spirit of God. And it can discern the spirit of a man. He discerned him. Here's a true son of Israel in whom there is no guile. I saw you when you were sitting under the fig tree. Word of knowledge. Knowledge of past or present events in the mind of God. <laughs> and then, oh, you're weirded out about that? I tell you the truth. You'll see more than that. You'll see angels ascend. You will see future. That's word of wisdom. Knowing pieces of knowledge of future events in the mind of God. My father was preaching at a youth camp. And there was a kid there that they brought that was supposed to go to juvenile detention. But his grandmother, it was a little town, and the grandmother knew the judge and uh, said, can you let my, my grandson go to this Pentecostal Bible camp first? Because he needs to get his life turned around. And the judge let him. And you could tell who he was. He had, a, you know, this is back a long time ago. I'm 42. So, and I was a kid. I wasn't even old enough to be at the camp. But my dad was the speaker. So he had this, like, faded Megadeth shirt on, long, scraggly hair, like, letting it be known, I'm here because I have to be. Sitting in the back with his arms crossed. So my dad's preaching. And my dad is anointed. And when he's preaching, that anointing stirred demons up in that kid. And I don't say that lately. I'm saying mid-sermon. This kid flails his arms back, foams at the mouth, growls in multiple voices. And my dad, without missing a beat, with fire in his eyes, he looked like when he'd get mad at me when I disobeyed or something. <laughs> Honest to God, I heard that. And when I saw my dad's face, I thought, man, I want to be that demon. That's a fact. I think, oh, I thought, oh man, you're in trouble. Because it, it's different. 
my dad, <laughs> I've seen my Uncle Ted, their eyes change. It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> my dad pointed down at that kid and went, I'll deal with you in a second. Talking to the spirits. But first, I need everybody that's not right with God to come to this altar because when I cast them out, they're going to need a place to go. Let me tell you something. No choir had to sing just as I am. Kids were running over top of the chairs, shoving each other out of the way to get to the altar. That's a fact. Two ushers come by this skinny kid and grab him by each arm. He tossed the one. I don't mean pushed. I mean picked up and threw and picked up and threw another grown man. And my dad came back and said, you unclean spirits, come out in Jesus' name. And they came right out. My dad took his pocket handkerchief out, wiped the foam off the kid's mouth, and then held on the kid's eyes, you know, went back to normal, started crying, hugged my dad, like immediately. My dad led him in the sinner's prayer. Now, I brought that up for this reason. So then, after the service, is powerful. Anytime a demon gets cast out, it releases like such a victory into the crowd. There's just such a like, you feel like heaven come in the room. So everybody's rejoicing. We're playing Pentecostal music. People are dancing. It's great. And then as the service is winding down, my dad sees this counselor talking to the kid, this kid. And my dad knows in his spirit, whatever this guy is telling him is going to mess him up. So, so my dad, my, my dad's super nice. He's not, he, he's very different from me. He's like very diplomatic. He's not, he's very, very kind. So my, but strong, but very kind. So he walks over to him and he's, the kid's telling him that brother Tiff, that's my dad's name, Tiff. He cast all the demons out of you, but one. And if you come to my dorm room tonight, I'll cast the other one out. So who knows what that guy's going to do. And when my dad comes over, he said, hey, don't talk to him anymore the rest of the time camp's here. Do you understand? And the kid's frozen. He's from Bible college. My dad said, do you understand? Don't talk to him the rest of the time he's at camp. And the guy does what everybody does that has a bad spirit. Storms off. Can't, can't receive any correction. There's some lady waving flags at worship service. Ma'am, put those away. Put some in there. That's all you need to know. I told my ushers at my church, are, anybody been to my church? Revival Today Church? It's right by the Pittsburgh airport. So I told them, I said, inevitably, it's a new church. Crackpots are going to come and try their little ministry here and try to take it over. I said, if anybody comes with, with a bunch of flags, I said, uh, I told them what to tell them. So that way it won't make an issue. So sure enough, the usher was freaked out because he's only been saved since December. He said, how'd you know someone's going to come with flags? This ain't my first rodeo. This lady comes with a golf cart full of flags. And, and he told her what I said. Hey, you can't bring those flags in here and wave them. Why not? And he said, repeated what I said to say. We're within one mile of an airport. And if you start waving those flags, it can misdirect the pilots and bring a plane right into the building. This, she went like this. Oh. Put it right back in and put it back in the trunk. Now, check this out. My dad, my dad straightens that kid out. He said, you don't have any more demons. 
They're all gone. Otherwise, you couldn't have prayed the sinner's prayer. Oh, I, I felt like I was free. That guy's, look at how right when he gets free, the devil sent somebody to lead him back into bondage. Did you know, I wish that was the last person that happened to. But when God sets you free, some knucklehead anointed by hell will go out of their way to try to pull you back right to where God brought you out of. But I prophesy in the name of Jesus, you're not only leaving here set free, you're leaving out of this revival never to go back to what you used to be in, in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive that, go ahead and give God the highest praise. One more time, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Kid thanks my dad again and walks off. My dad gets caught in a vision and sees that counselor that he told not to talk to him again walking down a hill to go to his dorm at 2.20 in the morning. In the vision, my dad looks at his watch, it's 2.20. So he goes and tells Brother McIntyre that ran the camp, who's in heaven now, but he was an old Pentecostal guy, told him what he saw. He said, well, if it's not gonna happen until 2.20, let's go get something to eat. <laughs> you know, Pentecostals, that's all you're allowed to do for fun. <laughs> couldn't smoke, couldn't drink, couldn't gamble, couldn't dance, but you could eat. <laughs> so they go eat. Brother McIntyre goes, well, it's getting close to two o'clock, let's go. So they go right down to the part of camp where my dad saw that kid in the vision. Now in Maine, when it gets dark, it's dark. Very dark. 2.20 on the nose. Brother McIntyre and my dad are sitting back on a park bench on the camp. This bozo comes skipping down the hill. And my dad calls out from the bench. Hey! The kid stops. Where are you going? Comes out into the lake. Uh, so what are you doing? You know, the counselors stay up the hill. So what are you doing coming down to the dorm? Thought I told you not to talk to that kid the rest of the time you're here. The kid, the counselor turned around, ran up to the hill, packed his bags, and left camp. Got found out. Be sure your sin will find you out. And I'm thankful for my father. I hope he's watching. Because I'm very thankful for him because he put in me what I feel is missing from a lot of people, which... It's almost like you have some people that take holiness seriously, but they don't get into the gifts of the Spirit. Then you have other people that are real big on spiritual manifestations, but they're as unholy as you can be. But you don't have to pick one or the other. You can be someone who's holy and lives free from sin. And actually, as you're cleansed and a clean vessel, it makes the, the Holy Spirit easy to flow through you. Any besetting sin that you dealt with before tonight, the Lord is going to empty that from your life and you're never going to battle that thing again in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Without anybody saying anything, that kid asked if he could go to the barber and get a haircut and got different clothes. His grandma went to pick him up on Friday night and walked right past him. He's waiting for her. She walked right by him. It, didn't look like it. No, it wasn't just the hair and stuff. The eyes are so different. The eyes are the window to the soul. He didn't have those hard eyes. They were clean. Jesus saved that kid's life. How? Through an operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Two of them. Discerning the spirits. My dad could have come down and said, no, we just ask you, Lord, to help him. No. Knew it was a demon. Cast it out. Number two, the operation of the word of wisdom. That when the enemy made a plan to snare that kid again, the gifts of the Spirit got ahead of that plan and destroyed it. Lift your hands one more time all over this place. 
Any plan the enemy has launched or is planning to launch against you and your family, the gifts of the Holy Ghost go ahead of it right now and break it before it has a chance to get off the ground. You will never be sidelined again. You'll never be knocked down again. For no more ups and downs. No more one win, two losses. From glory to glory. From victory to victory. And from strength to strength. Not by your might. Not by your power. But by the Spirit of God. If you believe that with me, with your hands lifted, just begin to thank Him one more time. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, begin to go into thanksgiving in tongues. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, speak it out of your mouth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for anointing me with fresh oil. Thank you for doing exceedingly and abundantly beyond whatever I could ask or think according to your mighty power that works on the inside of me. Let the anointing come on God's people now. Father, raise up people that know their God, that know how to walk in his power. In Jesus' name, everybody said discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Well, Jonathan, you said we can all operate in the gifts of the spirit, but it says he wills. Well, if you read the rest, he's always willing. Because God, why would God, if it was sovereign, if God was going to sovereignly use you in the gifts, pick three people tonight or pick three people in America he was going to use in healing, why does it tell you to covet earnestly the best gifts? Everything God does, he does on the basis of desire. When you didn't give a crap about your eternity, not much happened in that realm. But when you start to get a desire, I'm not happy with how I'm living. Something has to change. Then God worked with your desire and you got saved. Can you say Amen. And then it's, can you say it better, amen? amen? And then when you start caring about spiritual things, I don't want to walk a normal life. I don't want to live in the flesh that the Bible says profiteth nothing. I want to go back in to how it was in the beginning before Adam sinned. I want to commune with God. I want to speak as the oracles of God. I want to think God thoughts and I want to do God actions. How many people do we have here like that tonight? Let God hear your mighty hand clap. Let him hear the expression of your desire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thirty-one, twelve, thirty-one. but covet earnestly the best gifts, yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, some of our friends in other denominations then take chapter 13 and say, well, who needs the gifts of the Spirit because love's the better thing. You don't pick one or the other. Faith worketh by love. The gifts will work out of love. Why did my dad minister to that kid and say, hey, quit, quit growling like that. Guys, throw him out of the meeting so I can finish my sermon. No, a compassion engulfed my father for that kid. Can you say amen? amen. Covet earnestly the best gifts, yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, he shows you the more excellent way. Now, 14.1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. Some people are about the gifts, but Paul said in 13, there's a more excellent way, and that way is love, and I choose the way of love. Then keep reading, champ, because if you get to 14.1, it says, have charity and desire spiritual gifts. Let God fill you with his love for people. I didn't care about that blind guy. I was there to shop. I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not a bleeding heart. 
I don't see people in my flesh. I don't care about anything. I don't even care about me. I don't care. I have the gift of I don't care. I've told people, I'm very angry about something you said tonight. I don't care. And I don't mean it in a mean way. I don't, I literally, like, you're free to be angry. Insults are differences of opinion harshly expressed. I've read, I've, I've read the nastiest stuff written about me online. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. They're free to think that. One guy wrote this super nasty thing about me, and I wrote, you should, you should think how I feel about myself, because I have to be with me every day. The mood I was in, I was thinking, you're not wrong. I actually could add to what you're writing. I don't like him. Same here. I feel you, brother. But at least you only have to deal with me on Twitter. I got to be with me every day. So when I saw, notice how the gifts go with love in that double string. Because when the Lord pointed me to that guy and then he said, I, I, I felt the love of God for him. Pray the third time. For your glory, O oh Lord. For your glory. I was even thinking as I was praying like that. I've, I've never prayed like this before, but it was coming out of my spirit in English. For your glory, O oh Lord. I was praying like this guy was six foot four. For your glory, Do this for your glory, Lord. And you know, I come from a Pentecostal background. You don't pray for the sick at that kind of cadence. You're like, Father God, we're good. So, but from my spirit. Do this to glorify yourself on this street. And then I could just feel it was done. I took my eyes off. I said, tell me, or my hands off. I said, tell me what you see. And he lit up. Mil milkiness is gone. I see everything. Then like a, like a second grader, first grader, he just starts reading everything. Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, Ralph Lauren, <laughs> Armani. Starts pointing, reading left and right. And then I find out his brother-in-law is begging about half a block down. He's on a milk crate. He's got big, long dreadlocks. James, the guy I prayed for was Greg. This guy was James. So when he sees his brother-in-law reading, he stands up, because at first he probably thought I, he was just like engaging me, trying to get some money. Then when he sees him reading, he, go, he goes, hey, Greg, you can really see. You're not kidding me. <laughs> Shouts it down the block from me to that black speaker. Hey, Greg, you can really see? You're not blanking me? He went, I can see everything. And that guy's eyes, it must say signs and wonders. Signs and wonders make your mouth come open. And when I saw that look on his face, at this point, if you could see me in the spirit, I was bare chested with war paint on my face and feathers. I looked, I was over here with him, with him reading everything. And when his brother-in-law said that, I said, what about you? I said, do you know the Lord? And he went, I'm backslid. There's certain words people use that when they use them, you know, they have some church fellowship. You'll never hear that word outside of church. Hey, want to come to my house for a time of fellowship? What? You mean like a party? No, fellowship. You know, fellowship. Haven't you ever heard of fellowship before? 
You usually have it in the fellowship center. If you ever hear somebody use the word fellowship, you know they've been to church. Everywhere else it's a party, but for us it's fellowship. And then if you ever hear anybody say backslid, they've been to church. That sounds like a pitch. And an 87, 87 mile an hour backslid. He said, I'm backslid. I said, come over here. Now look at the authority. I'm 20. Come over here. He comes right over. When he comes over, Greg goes, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm not right with God either. Just like that. I could tell he got has alcohol on his breath. But who, who can blame him? I, I, I feel different these days. How could he drink like that? How could he not? You live on the street, spends all his money on, on alcohol. What do you want to do, save up and buy a sofa? Get like a wall unit and a flat screen? It's a sidewalk. He's just going to spend all that money on alcohol and drugs. So would you if you were in his shape. The point's not to scold him. The point's to get him saved by the power of the blood of Jesus and the resurrection life of the Holy Ghost. But for the grace of God, that'd be me. I'm not saying that to be humble. Without Tiff and Judy Shuttlesworth raising me in a Christian home and seeing those mighty works of God, that'd be me on the street. But Jesus got a hold of my life. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire, and now I live above the attack of the devil. Hey! I've been washed by the blood, cleansed in his fountain. I've been changed from the inside. And I'm never going back. I said I'm never going back. And I'm going to make the devil pay for everybody in this generation that he thinks he owns. We're going to set the captives free, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. Hallelujah. 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 My friend and your, the lady with you, step out into the aisle if you would. Step out into the aisle, shoulder to shoulder. Lift both hands, close both eyes. I don't know if you're in full-time ministry or not, but doors are going to open that way. And if you're already in full-time ministry, doors are going to open to come up higher, to set more people free by the power of God. These gifts will begin to flow through you like breathing in and breathing out. In Jesus' name. Go right into you right now by impartation. Filled. Filled in Jesus' name by impartation. Now it'll just start to flow. It's going to start to flow. My new friend that I want to be best friends with, with the yellow shirt, lift both your hands right there. Now that you've received of that gift, that gift's going to start to flow through you. That gift's going to start to flow through you. When you pray for people, you're going to get answers. In Jesus' name. You're going to feel the gift of faith jump on you where you normally want to pray for somebody that's blind. But now you say, I know, I know what you had. I was you. And the same God that set me free is going to set you free. Close both eyes. Lift both hands. As you do, the power of God comes right in.
Lord gives you that gift tonight, your prayers will get answered. Lift your hands all over this place. Receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All God's people said amen. amen. Give the Lord the biggest hand clap you've ever given anybody. Come on. Lift him up. I hear the sound of the armies of the Lord. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not by might, nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, this mountain shall be removed. This mountain shall be removed. This mountain shall be removed. But by my spirit, says the Lord, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not by might. It's not by power. I'm just trying. I've been trying. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. Everywhere you've been trying in life and coming up short, that faucet of the Holy Ghost, that river is going to flow out of your belly. And you're going to do with ease what you couldn't do at all. In Jesus' name. If you receive that, clap your hands to the Lord one more time. You can be seated. That was the first, uh, that was the first blind person I ever had healed through praying. And that was on the street. I led both those guys to the Lord, prayed the sinner's prayer with them, and then I like if this was the wall where the store was, they were both standing here. I had my back to them. I said, now lift your hands. You're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I loose the Holy Ghost right into you. And I'm letting it rip, pointing at them. When I turned around after they both got filled with the Holy Ghost, there was a crowd of probably 35 people holding their shopping bags, watching, because it was a weird sight. You got two, two black guys on the street and a white guy looking like he's holding them up. Why is that guy yelling at those two homeless guys? <laughs> Say it out loud. The Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. will draw a crowd. Draw a crowd. Yeah, they all came to watch. So I went from ministering to one guy. By the time I was done, I had 30, 35 people listening to the word. That was in about five minutes because it looks bizarre. Can you say amen? amen? Now that little test God gave me on the street, then I have Philadelphia open up, then Philadelphia causes the mayor in Vineland, New Jersey to hear and invite me, then because of Vineland, Camden hears and they invite me, then uh, uh, Newark, New Jersey invites me. I'm on a 21-day fast. Believe in God, we had leveled off at about 3,000 in attendance at the, at the open-air crusades in America, and I said, Lord, I want to go to 10,000. 
I want to go to 10,000 in attendance, and I want to crack. We had had 908 people saved before, but we had never had, we had never hit 1,000. So I was on a 21-day fest. I want to hit 10,000 in attendance, and I want to hit 1,000 uh, that come to the altar. I'm in South Africa. I'm supposed to preach next on television. There's a prophet there who we've never met. He doesn't even know if I'm in the building. He said, he actually started off his prophecy by saying, I saw the other speaker that's here, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and when I was praying for him, the Lord gave me a word. He said, I don't even think he's here because I was behind the curtain waiting to come out. He said, but I'm just gonna give the word anyway. And then I came out. And he gives the exact word that I'm believing the Lord for. You'll hear it. Then I'm believing for miracles at, at the crusade in New Jersey. And Pastor Rodney calls me out and tells me exactly what I've believed for, and then you'll see the fulfillment of all of it. So they're going to play this Newark, New Jersey crusade highlight, and I want you to get your spirit ready. I'm going to lay hands on everybody in the building tonight. And I'm not doing it for fun. You've heard uh, two hours of preaching, and then I'm going to lay hands on you to receive. Want to hear something else? Remember that lady Sunday night that testified, Tanya? You know what her husband told me? He said, uh, when I was sitting there while you were preaching, he said, I, I, I'm deaf in my one ear. And you were talking about putting your fingers in deaf people's ears. And I was thinking, I might have him do that for me. And when I thought it, my ear popped open. I could hear everything. They've just been popping. This has been a two weeks. Montreal and Pittsburgh in here. There's been two weeks of miracles. And they're not going to let up. They're going to get stronger. I was thinking when, you know, we had those 58 people lift their hands that they were healed last night and people have sent in testimonies that I haven't had a chance to read yet. We'll have more people testify. I was hearing that somebody uh, from the Voice of Healing Day, they were almost 100 years old when I met them. It was in the 90s. I was 21. And I asked the guy, I think he might have been 100. If he wasn't, he was in his late, late 90s. I said, what was the difference ministering then and now? He said, I don't know. But he's like, it was like you would just preach on anything and people started getting healed. And that's how I feel these last two weeks because I haven't even preached any healing messages or anything. Like tonight I taught on the gifts of the Spirit with some interspersed standing on chairs and yelling. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not pushing for miracles or healing and they just, they just keep happening. And I think this is going to be par for the course from now to when the, the, the trumpet sounds. That the end time church is going to be a signs and wonders church. And you're a part of that church. I said, you're a part of that church. You know, think of this. Think of this. Where I live in Pittsburgh, Duquesne University was where the charismatic renewal started. Where some nuns got hungry reading the Bible and saying, we want that. And they had them seek God in the rectory and they got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then they wanted more information. They wanted to know what was happening. So they contacted... Uh, some Protestant preachers to come and help them. And out of, out of that city, Pittsburgh, in 1960-whatever, 7, 9, 1969, right in the midst, right in the midst of the, the free love movement, that thing hit, and they actually ended up intertwining. All those hippies started getting, my mom was one of them, started getting baptized in the Holy Ghost and coming to the Lord. In the midst of all, I, I tell you right now, in the midst of all this unrest and everything that you're going to see, just like there was that unrest in the sexual revolution and free love, and then simultaneously God was pouring out his spirit and it ended up hitting all the young people. That's how Calvary Ch Chapel was born. The Lord's going to do that now. 
that in the midst of all this unrest in the country, the Lord's Spirit's going to sweep through, and that young disenfranchised generation is going to have an encounter with the fire of the Holy Ghost. If you believe that, that's a fact. Go ahead and roll that video. Watch this. On the field, miracles will begin to pop like popcorn without you even praying for the sick. You heard what he said? Miracles will pop like popcorn without you praying for the sick. Devils will come out of people. People will jump up out of wheelchairs. In every city you go to from Listen this to what he says on, after I told you what I was praying I'm for. I'm going to give you uncommon, unusual favor with the leaders in the church, even those in the world. They will say, yes, we want this young man. And you will rise up and you will not only talk about a thousand here, three thousand there, which is great, says the Lord. But you shall talk about 10,000 here and 100,000 there and a million here and a million there. Hold on. Play that last part again. Festival of Life in Newark was unlike any other. Let me hear the rest of that word. Because the first part already came true. Let me hear the rest of it. So talk about 10,000 here and 100,000 there and a million here and a million there. Festival of Life in Newark was unlike any other crusade in Revival Today history. Leading up to opening night, there was an excitement that 9, spread throughout the entire 9,600 people city, in New Jersey. Giving us 20,000 pre-registrations. Pause it real quick. Lines began forming hours before it began, wrapping around the park on all sides. A hip-hop artist on Sirius XM radio got one of the flyers and was ticked off that someone was going to come to the city and take advantage of her people. There's no way people are giving away bill pays and... $20,000 of free gifts and free food. So she calls the number on the, on, on the thing to lay into our crusade director. He says, no, it's true. We've done this in other cities. Gives her the YouTube link, so what we did in Philadelphia and Camden, her name's Roxana Shanti. She's a hip, famous hip-hop artist from the 90s that has her own hip-hop channel on Sirius XM. So she goes, uh, oh. So then from that day forward, she promoted it every day on her Sirius XM radio. And, the, and then opening night, that's the line to get in. We ended up with 9,600 people. The New Jersey police said that's the most people they've ever seen in that park for any reason. Get in the flow. Get in the flow. Go ahead. We knew that we were about to witness the greatest night of Festival of Life to date. God sent his only begotten son. He laid down his life for me. He laid down his life for you before you were ever born. God knew you. God had a plan for your life. We got some big speakers, a good microphone, and we took it outside to tell every crack addict, every heroin dealer, every blood, crip, and Latin king, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you're only one prayer away from the power of God coming down. He'll pick you up out of a pit and he'll place your feet on the rock to stay. 9,000 people packed out opening night the police on site made comment that it was the biggest crowd they had ever seen in Lincoln Park. The gospel message was preached and we saw an upwards of 1,700 souls saved on night one. An altar response so large that there was no room for the massive crowd. We had to cut it off because people were getting crushed. The expectation was certainly set for the week ahead and we were determined only to see victory upon victory.
The Islamic City government of Newark, however, had different plans, making every city council shut it down. On night three, the city placed a sign in the park announcing that it was the conclusion of Festival of Life. They thought they had brought the crusade to an end, but to their defeat, Evangelist Jonathan certainly had something to say in response. I see they put signs out there. This is the final night of Festival of Life. I have one question to ask. Who do you think you are? You didn't call me into the ministry. God called me into the ministry. And when God sends you, no devil can send you back. If you think I'm some spineless pop preacher, you got the wrong guy. I came to get this message to the people. And no devil in hell is going to stop it. Word spread fast that Festival of Life would be meeting indoors. And once again, the people of Newark lined up early with anticipation, wrapping around the building. I feel the Holy Ghost. Siento el Espíritu Santo. I feel the Holy Ghost. Siento el Espíritu Santo. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are yet to come. Who does the devil think he is? He doesn't have permission to take out my people. I stand tonight. In my office as a man of God. Enough is enough. No more overdose. No más sobredosis. They wouldn't let me leave. I was trying to leave and they all blocked People me to get prayer. People were so hungry for God. Men, women, and children crowded into the aisles at Symphony Hall while evangelist Jonathan laid hands on every single person, young and old, who desired prayer. Many were touched and healed by the power of God. ended up with a condition or, or a disease that it's an inherited disease and it's called sarcoidosis. What it does is it kills all your tissues. I woke up one day, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk, I couldn't feel the earth under my feet. When he was ministering, it, it kind of like resonated with me. Really what happened was when I got here, when I got here, I put the wheelchair, I told somebody else to sit in the wheelchair and I just, and I just got up. That was just it. I just got up, I got in the front, and, and I just enjoyed myself, and you know, um, I, I don't hurt, and, that, and that's strange to me. That's strange, I don't hurt. Um, I think I'm doing pretty good. She asked me for I prayer in a wheelchair really and came the next night pushing it, just like Dr. Rodney prophesied. He prayed for me last night, and my legs was hurting. That went away. He knew that I had um, messed up discs in my back. And I had this cane when I came in here, walking with this cane. And you see where I had this cane at, right? 
I've been battling a lot of addiction lately. So I came up today and then, and he was like, just touch where you want to be delivered at. So I just touched my heart. And I said, just deliver this, you know, change it. Now mind you, I've been smoking cigarettes since I was 14 years old. It's like he just delivered me from everything. I don't have a desire to smoke drugs. I don't have a desire of anything right now. It's just like he broke all the chains. Evil, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'm here, I can't believe he just broke all the chains in it. And this lady asked me, she was like, what did you get? Did you win anything? I said, no, I won the Holy Spirit and I can't get no blessed in that. I can't get no richer than that. I just want to share that with y'all. Thank you. I was hit. I, was, I went to the hospital August 18th. They took ashtrays, AKG. I don't see anything. But I stand up there today, I don't feel that pain anymore. A year ago, I didn't want to live. University like student. something that was, was something quiet and something that I didn't express. But I wasn't going to go up to the altar call today. And then as the line got shorter, I hopped on to the end. And I'm going up and I'm waiting my turn and Jonathan looks right at me. The whole way up, I'm like reciting the things in my head of like, God, this is what I'm believing for. This. When I got up there, Jonathan looked me right in the eye and he said, you will never be the same. And that's what I was like praying about the whole way up there. And so powerful. In our family, we have kidney disease. My mother was on dialysis and she passed away from um, kidney failure. And I always worried about that, like, Lord, I don't want to go that way. So he just proclaimed and declared over my life that it wouldn't happen. Not only that, today, my niece had to go to the doctor for her kidneys, but I thank God that I'm standing in the gap for my family, for me, to break the Been saved 24 hours. And I thank God that I stayed because now I'm free. I don't have to worry about kidney problems. I don't have to worry about dying with kidney. And I'm going to go and I'm going to tell my niece, Listen I'm going to tell her you don't have to worry because I stood in the gap. And when your results come back, you're going to be healed. It was a week of complete victory in Newark, New Jersey. The anointing during the crusade was so strong that even the police asked evangelist Jonathan for prayer. No death, no injury. No amount of Islamic City government opposition could even come close to stopping the power of God. Grocery boxes were given to those in need and 500 backpacks were given to school-aged children. And for the first time in Revival Today history, Festival of Life was broadcast live on television on both Faith USA and CTN. A potential reach of 70 million homes. The total attendance for the week came to 18,129 people and 2,573 souls were saved, in addition to the countless salvations from those watching on TV and online. The people of Newark will never be the same, and neither will we. Say that out loud. Say it one more time louder. Stand on your feet, everybody. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, that's where everything starts. The Holy Ghost can't flow through an impure, unclean vessel. You must be born again. You must be forgiven of sin. If you've never done that and you need to do it tonight, I want you to put your hand up high right now. I'm going to pray with you wherever you are. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. That's a good haul of souls on a Wednesday night, I'll tell you. The people getting saved in this meeting has been off the charts. 
God's going to forgive all your sin when we pray, and he's going he's to save you. And I mean save you. You were drug addicted. You won't be drug addicted anymore. Before I give the altar call for the people to get saved, this lady in the blonde hair, white shawl, like off-white shawl. Yes, come right to the aisle if you would. Just lift your hands right there. Close both eyes. Lift your hands up even higher. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. In Jesus' name. Go right through you. In Jesus' name. Everyone that lifted a hand to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, we do this because the Bible says in Luke 12, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father that's in heaven. But if you deny me before uh, men, I'll deny you before my Father that's in heaven. There's something about doing it public that's not only scriptural, it makes it permanent. And Billy Sunday used to say, if you can't kneel for Jesus in a church, you're not going to stand for him in the world. If you're worried about what a room full of church people that are actually rooting for you think about you, what are you going to do when you go back outside? you got to learn how to come out of the crowd and make a stand. I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm not turning back. Everyone that lifted a hand, come out of your seat if you would. Come right across the front. We're going to pray. Those of you with more boldness, come first. It'll help those that are more timid. Every hand that was lifted, come. Come like they did in Newark, in Jesus' name. If you lifted a hand to receive Jesus Christ, come. Come. Every hand that was lifted, this is your night. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Come right to the middle. Yes. Yes. Amen. So happy. Keep coming. Awesome. Lift both hands to the Lord. So proud of you. Say this prayer with me, but don't like repeat it like it's like a church recital. You're talking to a living God. Some people just want to know what to say, so I give you the words, but make them your own and say it loud so God can hear you. Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, make me strong. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am cleansed. Heaven is my home. I will not turn back. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your hands lifted. Let me bless you. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever the enemy tried to use to destroy your life before tonight, you are free of that thing. It'll never come back on you. In Jesus' name. I curse the taste for any unclean substance off your lip and tongue. I command you to never have a desire for things that would destroy you. Let that appetite be replaced with an insatiable hunger for God and his word and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, be healed of any problem you carry in your body. I command you to be free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
Welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. Makes me happy. Very happy. So listen, two things. Number one, I got two more nights with you. Thursday night, tomorrow night, Friday night, seven o'clock. If you can't make it right at seven, I'll still be preaching at eight, I promise. So don't worry about it. I'm not gonna yell at you if you come in late. I'd be happy to see you, actually. So uh, that, and then number two, it's imperative that you get plugged in to a good local church. And by a good local church, I mean this specific church. Because Pastor Tom, Pastor Tom stayed open during COVID. That's all you need to know. The Bible says a true shepherd, when the wolf comes, they don't run. A hireling runs. But a true shepherd stays with the sheep, and that's what he is. And I'm not saying that because I'm here. I'm here because it's true. So if you'll, and it sounds oversimplistic, but God's a very simple God. If you'll make the one change in your life, you actually don't have to make a lot of changes. If you make one change and never miss 10 a.m., 10? 10 a.m. Sunday, Sunday. That'll sort the rest out because you have church on Sunday. Sunday's the first day of the week. You have it in the morning, the first hours of a week. You consecrate that week to God in his house. The Lord will speak to you from his word. Like whatever, when I was talking these two hours, at some point you zoned out and you were actually having the Holy Spirit preach his own message to you separate from what I was saying. You're thinking about this and this and this, and I need to do this. And that's what God will do every week. It's like out of the word, he'll tailor make a message just for you and it'll keep you on course. You come back, stay on course. So church is, is vital. And uh, if you'll do those two things, I'm only saying that because if I just wanted a picture for Instagram that I'd, they'd have snapped one and I'd send you back to your seat. I wanna see it when we get to heaven. I don't want anybody missing. So if you'll do that, you'll make it. I love you, congratulations. Welcome to the family. You can go back to your seat. Give your new brothers and sisters a great big hand clap. Give them a proper welcome to the family of God. Now give Jesus one more great big hand clap all over this place. I'm gonna line you up. If my main concern was an offering, I'd take an offering right now. Because I'm gonna lose probably 40% of the crowd after I get done laying hands on people. Both people that are out under the power, people that take it as their opportunity to leave. But the Holy Ghost is here, and my main goal is not to receive an offering. My main goal is to get every person here filled with the Holy Ghost and fire tonight. Now, when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, there was always an initial evidence that showed people that they had received the Holy Spirit. Anytime that evidence is told specifically what it is in the book of Acts, it's speaking with other tongues. Even times it's not told. Then Ananias laid his hands on, on Paul to receive the Holy Ghost and he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. The Bible doesn't tell you what happened, but then you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. When do you think he received that? Then you have Acts chapter 10. The Holy Spirit fell upon them and they all spoke in tongues and prophesied. And Peter said, can there be any doubt that this is for the Gentiles? Because we're seeing them receive the same way we did that first day in Jerusalem. So I'm not trying to make a big deal about speaking in tongues. But the Bible makes a big deal about it. And I actually didn't used to say much about it because it's not what I, the main thrust of what I feel called to do. But now, as we come to this end part of the end times, it is imperative that you get filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. And then that prayer language, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 
He that prays in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries unto man, but he speaks to God and buildeth himself up. So it's a way to keep yourself continually built up in your spirit where you're not hoping to stay strong or I feel weak, when's the next revival meeting? You now have the ball in your court. Anytime, every time you just start praying in the Holy Ghost and you begin to charge your spirit, man. Can you say amen? How do you speak in tongues? Same way you speak in English, with your mouth. You can't speak in any language with your mouth shut. The Holy Ghost is not a demon. He's not going to hijack your mouth and make you do things. Everything with God is yielding. So after I lay hands on you, you're going to feel, even on the low end, with a stammering lip and a, with a trembling lip, with a stammering lip and a trembling tongue, will they praise you? So even if it starts just as that, go with it, and God will give you more. By faith, begin to speak out that language that's coming up from the inside of you. And as you do, God will give you more. Let that faucet run through you. Listen, and they all spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them this ability or gave them utterance. They spoke as the Spirit gave them the ability. You have to yield your mouth. And shut your mind off. Oh, that's just you, you know. And begin to speak. And I'll tell you, I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost at, at uh, six, and then I got refilled at seven at the kids' camp, I wasn't able to say that word in the Spanish alphabet, the double R, arre. I couldn't roll my tongue. So I kept, I kept getting a, a, an F on that part. Couldn't do it. I'm from Pennsylvania. I can't roll my R's. And when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I heard myself praying, and I was thinking, I can't do that. And when they shall speak with new tongues. Meant something to me then, because I felt like God literally replaced my Pennsylvania tongue with like a Nicaraguan tongue or something like that. And I knew, I knew I couldn't do that. So yield your mouth. And then when you don't know what to pray, you ever try to pray without the Holy Ghost? Oh, they're just asking you today to be with me on my way to work and be with my family. 11 seconds. How am I supposed to pray longer than that? You don't, you don't have it in you. But then when you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let's do that right now. Every hand lifted. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit. I believe that fire is going to begin to spread all through the crowd right now. Pray. Pray that out of your spirit. Stir up the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. Bondo rikiti ando, brastandi anamo, britandi anamo stere, brindia. You sound good. This doesn't sound like an American church on a Wednesday night. This sounds like a Holy Ghost church. This sounds like the Book of Acts. Brindi onomo, brekandi anamo, aka. Be filled with the Spirit, Father. I thank you for the Spirit of God falling upon all these that are here tonight. Manda rikiti o, rosto. Fifteen more seconds. Lift him up out of your out of your mouth. Posto Riki Abandianamo. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is that that was spoken of the prophet Joel. That in the last days, saith God, 
I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Let me pray for this couple. Lady has the jean jacket on and the guy has the nice light blue suit jacket on. Come around to the front if you would. Come right to the front, stand shoulder to shoulder. I'm not praying for you because you have a suit jacket on. I'm not partial to suit jackets. But both of you lift both hands. The hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord's on you for ministry. Doors will begin to open larger as you've honored the Holy Ghost and come out from the old and into the new and decided to get into that flow. The same way that flow took me from nothing to a high place. That flow begins to take you now to a high place in Jesus' name. That's it. Go right through you. More, more, more. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. That's it. Everybody, if you were here Sunday night, you know the drill. Everybody that's in this far section, I'm going to have you go and line up against that wall there, shoulder to shoulder. But listen, don't get in front of anybody, don't get behind anybody. Shoulder to shoulder so I can go in one fell swoop down the side. Everybody that would like hands laid on them. If you'd like healed, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a twin brother that heals people. The same Spirit that fills you, heals you. So head that way right now. Everybody in this side section, move to that wall. And then what do we do with the middle sections? What do we do on Sunday? Okay, let's do this. Everybody that's in this section, in the middle, come in line across the front and line with your back to the altar so that I can come and just get everybody in one. And then everybody in this group, you can line straight across the back. Look how the Lord gave this place a church where you can lay hands on people. You can't do that in most places. They don't have any room. But you guys have faith. Go ahead, ushers are going to help you. And then... Get in line to get prayed for. I'm not praying. If I miss you, I miss you. So get in line right. I don't want to finish and then like there's four people coming up. You missed me. There's a lot of people here. Amen. Put your guitar down. Come right out. The Lord's going to touch you heavy right now. You know, God honors faithfulness. Lift both hands, close both eyes. I honor faithfulness, says the Lord. And tonight I honor you. A gift. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. When I lay my hands on you, it's impossible for the laying on of hands not to work. Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief except to lay his hands on a few sick and see them recover. The laying on of hands always works. So it's not, I hope I receive, you will receive. Then when you receive, begin to speak that language out of your spirit. There's a lot of people. More than Sunday night, huh? Because we, we were able to, 
Pastor Tom, come right up here with me. I, don't, I normally don't pray for the pastor, but I'm also normally not in relationship like we are. How many of you love Brother Tom, Pastor Tom? Lift both hands, close both eyes. A greater measure of these things, though they've operated, a greater measure of their operation will flow through you from tonight. For you've sought me for these things. Back in the 80s even. Use me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Flow through me, Lord. Now these gifts will begin to flow through you as you've asked, says the Lord. In a greater measure. Ho riki o poston dianamo. Igindianamotia. Bondo rotosto poto. Igandia rotoston diebata. I'm going to give you a bonus since you received. The Lord strengthens your body. You'll have a strong, energetic body from now to the coming of the Lord. In Jesus' name. You'll only be out of the pulpit if you want to. In Jesus' name. Every hand lifted. Say this. Tonight, Father, I receive the good things that come from the Holy Ghost. Let me have Pastor Tom's uh, wife come up as well. Sister Lapley. Lift your hands right there. These gifts will begin to funct function and flow through you in greater dimension. That's why the Lord laid that thing on your heart to start that ladies meeting and invite people. Doors are gonna start to open for you to preach Though you do administration and do it well, you're going to be a mighty preacher and of God's word and demonstrator of his power. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. Every hand lifted. What was the first praise song you sang tonight? I couldn't hear it because I was in an Uber. What's the set? What was the second one? Victory is yours. Let's do victory is yours. I'm in a good mood. I don't like slow music. Every hand lifted. Go ahead and play that song. Play it with all you got. Shut yourself in with God. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, begin to pray in other tongues right now. If you've not yet been filled, look at this on a Wednesday night. This is what? This is revival. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. In the name. Rostoti Jesus mighty name in the name of Jesus in Jesus mighty name thank you Lord thank you Lord Jesus thank you prostondiara ricata I lose the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire into every person that's it ricata rindanda ricostondia ustondiana motia rondo rapasta rindiana motia Rindiana Mostonos, Ricandia, Mostondiana Mosta, Rinda, Rostondiana, Rimondo Roto. Come on, if you're filled with this. In Jesus' mighty name. 
in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. That's it. Be healed in your body. Be healed in your body. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Be healed in your body. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Pray that out in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for touching the youth. Thank you for touching the children. Thank you for touching everybody. Be healed in your body. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Take two steps. You roar like thunder. nothing can tame. God, all powerful. All powerful. And we pull down heaven with shouts of praise. God, all powerful. All powerful. Yeah, I'm not 
Wherever you are, just begin to lift your hands and thank God. Pray in that heavenly tongue. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, blessed Father. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Let's just take the next two minutes with your hands lifted. Begin to lift up Jesus. This lady with the silver hair here, black boots. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. In Jesus' name, go right through you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just begin to thank him out of your mouth. You have done wondrous things, O oh Lord. Thank you for touching everybody watching online. Thank you for touching everybody back in the sound booth. All the guys back in the sound booth, lift both hands to the Lord. I loose the power of God back into that booth right now. In Jesus' name, right there. My friend with the uh, denim jacket, I think, I got these lights of mine and beard. Come up on, on the platform as quickly as you can. In Jesus' name. Both hands, close both eyes. By impartation and the laying on of hands. Postondia, brikiti ondo, mondo reka, esta. That's it. Go right into your spirit. In Jesus' name. say it out loud. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Give the Lord the mightiest hand clap you've ever given anybody. Say it so the devil can hear you. I am a part of this last day move of God. You can be comfortably seated going to receive an offering, give people a chance to sow seed before we call it a day. You guys can stay up here. I'll be done shortly. Luke chapter 5. I want to show you something. In all the times I've read this scripture, I've never uh, seen this before. Luke 5. How many can tell the Lord has touched you tonight? Good. Luke chapter 5. Remember what I said? I'd lose about 40% of the crown. But you know why I don't care? 
givers don't leave. I used to have pastors tell me when I take the offering at the end, a lot of our people will leave. Yes, a lot of your people will leave, but no givers leave. Givers give. Amen. So I already know who I'm talking to. Luke 5, 1. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. What did Jesus say when he gave him the, the boat back? Go out where it's deeper and let down your nets and catch some fish. Turn to 1 Kings 17. First Kings 17, 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. It took me a long time to realize that Elijah focused that woman's faith on what to receive as a harvest for what she sowed. And then I never noticed until Sunday night when I read it, how many of you are here Sunday night? That when Jesus asked, same as Elijah, when Jesus asked Peter for something, when he gave it back to him, he focused his faith on what to receive as a harvest. Now go let down your nets and you'll catch some fish. So you hear people say, well, let's just put it this way. If it's wrong to focus your faith when you sow a seed for a specific harvest, then Jesus was out of line and Elijah was out of line. Elijah didn't just ask that woman for what to, to give. And notice, Elijah wasn't doing it on his own. Because I used to think if I was that woman, I wouldn't have given to that guy either. I would have said, go get your own food. I don't even know you. But remember what the Lord said? He said, there's a widow in Zarephath. I've already given her my instruction. So the Lord already spoke to her. She won't do it. You know, really, when Elijah arrived, the bread should have been there. She said, I'm not doing that. Then Elijah gives her a word from the Lord, and she balks again, B-A-L-K. I'm not doing it. And he says, hey, listen, don't be afraid. Not giving is rooted in fear. What if I lose? What if it doesn't work? Don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Bake a bite of bread for me first. Bake a cake for me first. And, after, and when you do, the cruise of oil, I would just leave her on the ground. I don't think the Lord's done with her. I'd let her go. Just stay on the ground. You don't have to pay rent. Enjoy. People get up. What if people hurry to get back to their seat or their house? There's nothing on. Just let the Lord touch you. Um, bake a bite of bread for me first, and when you do, the cruise of oil shall not fail, and the jar of meal shall not run out until the time when the 
Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and no matter how much they used, there was always plenty left over, just as the prophet Elijah had said. Can you say amen? We had a, um, when we had Jesse Duplantis come to our church, there was a guy in our congregation that where he works, there was a man on the board of directors trying to get him fired because he didn't take the vaccine. Then even after they dropped the vaccine, man, they, the guy just didn't like him. As many of you found out, a lot of people just used the vaccine mandate. They didn't like you before there was COVID. And then it was just, just a way to try to move you out. They didn't like you that you were a Christian. Now this gave them a way to move you out. So Jesse Duplantis at the offering, he preached on when Elisha said, what would you like me to do for you? And said, so the Lord's asking, what would you like him to do for you? And when you sow, you should target your faith. What would you like the Lord to do for you? Um, that woman didn't know about that, so Elijah did it for her. Hey, when you give this, look at that cruise of oil and jar of meal. They won't run out until the famine's over. Peter didn't know anything about it, so when Jesus gave the boat back, he said, now go out in that boat and let down your nets, and you'll catch some fish. What did Peter need? He had worked hard all night, and how much fish did he catch? Zero. And so both of them got them to focus their faith in their giving. So this guy that goes to my uh, church, who's no dummy, He's done very well in life. He said, we're gonna give 90%, I'm not doing this to put this in your head to give 90%. I'm hoping you give 100%. But uh, <laughs> this guy gave, he said, rather than give the tithe, let's give 90% Brother Jesse's offering, and he makes good money, and let's believe that God will sort out that problem. He gave that, when did Brother Jesse come? Tuesday, I think. And he gave that offering, and they called that guy on the board of directors in the next Monday, six days later, and dismissed him and promoted him to take his spot on the board of directors. So he came to tell me that. He said, you're gonna, you're gonna think I'm crazy, but when we gave that offering and he preached, what would you like me to do for you? I said, Lord, I'm gonna give this offering and believe that, that you're going to do this. Now, people hear that and they say, well, you're teaching people they can buy a miracle. No, I'm not. I'm teaching people that when you sow a seed, you have a right to expect a harvest, and you can actually, by your faith, determine what you'd like the harvest to be. I didn't used to believe that either. I actually did it by accident. Last year, when Brother Rodney was building his uh, atrium, the Lord spoke to me to sow $100,000. We were meeting with the building people the next Monday. That was Sunday morning. We were meeting with the building people on Monday and owed $450,000 down. So I thought, when the Lord spoke to me to sow 100,000, I thought, well, that, that's a rough one, Lord. I'm about to part with half a million tomorrow, and uh, all right, I'll do it, but I'm gonna ask you, because I preach this to people all the time, what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. It's in the Bible, Ephesians 6, 8. Knowing this, whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. What you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. I said, Father, you said that in your word? Now, I wasn't thinking, now I'm gonna focus my faith on this to get a harvest, but I just said this. As I give my best to help another man's building, I'm gonna ask you to take care of my building and give us favor at that meeting tomorrow. And so I, it's not like I was, oh, I'm gonna focus my faith for a harvest, but that's what I did without knowing it. Monday, we get the call that the man who owned the building asked a lot of questions. How many times has Jonathan been married? Did you guys mask up during COVID? Uh, Lots of stuff. And um, when, when we answered the question satisfactorily, which I was still in Florida, he said, how much money do you owe today? 450,000, you can keep it. Just pay me 10,000 a month for five years. 
So that's a three, at the time it was a $3.1 million building. And he's asking, what's 10,000 $10, a month for five years? So it'd be 60, 300,000? Did I get it right or not? 120, yeah, it'd be 600,000. So that's a miracle. Then after three months of sending in the $10,000, he comes back in the office with all three checks uncashed in the deed and says, the building belongs to you. I'll tell you another thing that happened because that was in October and we needed to start the church December 31st. He said, don't worry about the paperwork and everything. You can start working on the building in the morning. And, uh, and we did. So what did I ask for when I sowed my seed? Favor. And what did God give me? Favor, not just with the finances, but even in the, you know, most places you can't go start working on the building before anything's even cleared. Nothing's even signed or filed. It, it, it's quick if it takes 45 days, right? 45 days is moving. Well, if that had been 45 days, that had taken us to December, we wouldn't have been able to open the church till March. Why did he care? And I'll tell you, and now what I say goes out everywhere, so I have to be careful what I say, or I would, I would say a lot more kindly. But that guy never stopped caring about our church. Come, you know, a lot of things he's done behind the scenes. I don't know why he cares so much and uh, has really been a huge help. I asked for favor. It's been a, a year of favor and, then, and more. I talked to him two weeks ago after church. He cares. How's the church doing? How many people were there today on Sunday? That's great. Um, you looking at land yet? Actually, I'll tell you what he said. He said, when you go to get your next piece of land, just let me, let me know what it is. Uh, One million, five million, eight million doesn't make any difference. I, I, I'm going to help you. So, that's favor. So when you have that kind of stuff happen to you, you can hear people bash the prosperity message. I've lived it. I went from minus 300 in my bank to having people say, just let me know what land you need, Reverend. And I don't think the devil did that. I think God did that. And so that's what sowing gets you into. We've been talking about getting in the flow of the Holy Ghost. I told you that Shambok story. When you learn to get your money in the flow of the Holy Ghost, Pastor Tom gave one of the best offering messages last night I've ever heard. When I said it, he like chuckles. To, he doesn't get how good of a preacher he is. Because being a good preacher isn't going into a fake voice. That's actually being a bad preacher. You, you, church people like it. Other people think you're a phony. If you don't talk like that at Chick-fil-A, don't talk like that in church. I'll have a number two uh, with waffle fries. Uh. They're going to put you in the mental institution. So for whatever reason, pa Pastor Tom has this low opinion of himself. When he said that thing last night, I'm going to steal it. He said, if you want to get out of Biden's economy and get into God's economy, then connect your, your, your money with, with the advancement of the kingdom of God. That is an expertly communicated, well-said thing that, that anyone could understand what that means. And that's what he does. They split their tithe between our ministry from this church and Pastor Rodney's. You know, most churches don't tithe. No, they don't. Well, we're Levites, and the Levites didn't have to tithe. And Yeah, okay. Come up with whatever reason you want. And they're all broke, all, always needing to raise money. And when he started doing that, they went from having usually what in the bank? Yeah, 20 grand in the bank, two to 3,000 coming in every Sunday. And then last week was 75,000. 
And that didn't start, that didn't start when the crowd grew and you got in the big building. That started when the giving started. It's like me. The biggest offering we ever had was $1.1 million coming in a week. It was at a church of 130 people. It has nothing to do with outside factors. Both of those guys that have been made big moves for our church didn't go to church. The one guy started coming to my church, and when people saw him, they said, I saw so-and-so at your church. He goes to your church? Wow. That guy never went to church. People that worked with him. I didn't, I didn't know that him. I don't want to know that. I know the him now that's plugged into God. You know, the guy that gives us the, the, the building to use, that, that AstroTurf building, when he saw the 1,000 people come in, he brought a check personally for more than he charges for the rental of the dome. That's not good business sense. That's the Lord. And I've never said anything. In fact, he told me when he gave me the building, you don't have to pay anything, just pay what you want. And I, I found out what full price was and have paid full price. And I pay full price Saturday night because we have to do setup and he can't rent it up out Saturday night. I'm a capitalist. People deserve to be paid for what they've, they, they've done. So I, I'm, not, I'm not going around telling, you know, I'm a reverend. I don't know how we could ever afford the, no, pay. Have faith to pay. But then as you do that, then the Lord starts working on people's hearts to give. Ask the Lord what he would have you to give, like for that guy. When he let the Holy Ghost put his finger on that down payment for his pickup truck, that's what triggered it. Don't give what's comfortable or what you're used to giving. Ask the Lord what he would have you to give and so that, and I want you to do what Luke chapter five and first Kings 17 and what I found out under that pavilion. I want you to do that. What do you want God to do for you? What do you want to target your faith for? You're believing for a house? You're in an apartment, you're, you have your third kid on the way and you need a home, you'd like a home, get your faith out for it. God's not a jerk. You don't need a house. What do you need a house when people need churches? God has church money and God has house money. Can you say amen? I said that to a lady when I was flying in first class one time. What do you do for a living? I'm a minister. A minister sitting in first class. What about hungry children? I said, what economic correlation is there between me buying a coach ticket and hungry children eating? How does that work? If I decide not to buy a first class ticket, food shows up? In Central Africa Republic? What does it have to do with each other? God has plane money. God has clothes money. God has house money. God has church money. And then when it comes to you, you just have to figure out which of your money is two things. The Bible says he gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. Which one are you? Which one are you, an eater or a sower? Wrong. You're both. Because if all you did was sow, you'd be dead. Because you have to eat a little. Amen? So all you do is ask the Lord, of what I have, what's bread and what's seed? I want to take my family. This will be the last thing I say. Makes me laugh when people leave at 10.55. What, you, they couldn't stick out the extra five minutes? I'll stay till 10.55. <laughs> but I'm not staying to know 10.56. <laughs> I draw the line at 10.54. For me, if church is over three hours and 54 minutes, 
It's too long. Whatever. So, I used to like taking my family away in December, but I can't because now that I'm pastoring, December is like an important time. There's Christmas, and then people like to be in church on Christmas, and now I'm a pastor. So I can't go missing. When you're an evangelist, people don't have evangelistic meetings during Christmas. So I could take off, and then Camila's out of school, and I can take her on a vacation, but I can't do that. So the only week I have free is December 25th until New Year's Eve. So I want to take my family on vacation that week. I, I cleared it with Camila. So instead of opening gifts here or, and staying here for Christmas, what do you think about we open the gifts and get on a plane and go straight to Arizona? And it was fine with her. So I was believing for a private plane. You can't pay for that with ministry money. You can, but you'll go to federal prison. So I was believing the Lord for, for private aircraft money because you don't want to have to fly on Christmas. And then if there's delays, you know, and you're only going to be gone five days anyway, that could be a bad Christmas. You don't want to reenact planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> so, um, and it all came in. I mean, a lot of money. Now, I know I had my faith out for that, for that, and that came in personally. And then the stuff I have my faith out for, for the ministry, it comes out there because I make sure to know what's my thing and what's God's thing. Anybody watch our meetings in Montreal? No one ever honored my brother-in-law and sister. They kept their church open for two and a half years with the police coming in. I mean, he was, how he didn't go to jail is a miracle. Well, you know how like in America, Pastor Tom seemed like a lunatic in March and April, but then people started, Americans started to wise up like May 2020, June 2020. Like, you know what? He made the right call. And then for now, guys like him and Pastor Rodney are like heroes. That guy knew the right thing from the beginning. Well, for my brother-in-law, it's still not like that. My brother-in-law still has people asking him as the pastor, don't come to our family's funeral. You know, you, you tried to kill people for two years. Canada lost their minds. There was a family trying to get my brother-in-law as pastor brought up on attempted murder charges. Had a lawyer to file the charges because their grandma died and attended that church. They didn't know that she got the, it at the church. And they were gonna try him for attempted murder. My friend Phil, that did seven days in solitary confinement for keeping his church open, just got his charges dropped this afternoon. He was gonna have to go to court and still face charges. So I'm just saying. So I wanted to honor my brother-in-law and sister publicly for the stand they took for the church. So I wanted to get them both a luxury watch, like a, a nice watch from the jewelry store. And I said, Lord, I'd like to do that. You know, the money came in for that. I won't say how much, but it, it, I'm talking nice watches. And you can't, you know, I don't want to pay for that with ministry money. You could do it technically, but I didn't want to. This is a gift from me to honor you for taking a stand for the church. That money came in. When I went to Canada, their plastic money, people, this is, I already given the offering, this is for you, and I knew exactly what it was for. Went down to the jewelry store, bought the two watches, had it all, slapped the cash down. The guy went, oh, what do you do for, for work? I said, business. He went, what, what kind of business? Went, My business. <laughs> I learned that from Italian people. <laughs> Why don't Italian people like Jehovah's Witnesses? They don't like any witnesses. You roll the dice telling a joke like that, but it went over well in Northport, Florida. 
If I was in the, if I was in Brooklyn, there'd be one old man in the back. Give and you shall receive. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, I'll cause men to give liberally into your bosom. If you're giving online, thank you for your generous giving this year. Uh, you can go to revivaltoday.com and click give now. You can do that here too. And then all the instructions are on the envelope. If you're making out a check, make it out to Revival Today. We're getting ready to get land for the church and making a lot of other big moves. So if the Lord lays some big number on your heart, that's why. We're, we're, it's not ridiculous. We're, we're going to make a, a, the devil have a bad year. Amen? Give you a second to fill that out. Every head bowed. If you're filling it out, you don't have to close your eyes. But I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray the same way that seed that Peter gave produced a net-breaking, boat-sinking harvest. The same way that seed that woman gave, gave her a th one meal produced a three-and-a-half-year supply of food. And the same way you had me sow that seed and it gifted me, it took me out of a building project and raising money and just made everything easy. I pray that people would receive that kind of supernatural miracle before the closeout of this calendar year. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Well, we've got two nights left, tomorrow night and Friday night. Make it the best 48 hours you've ever had. Have an awesome day, and I will see you Thursday night in the presence of God. The ushers are coming to receive the offering.